Today, December 1st of the year 2022, still kind of Australian, the Ministry of Magic has decreed that the Wizards, Alex Houston and Davis Carroll, to be fugitives from magic justice. They are joined by fellow witch Brayden Haynes and are expected to be discussing whereabouts of Harry Potter and he who must not be named. Consider this trio armed and dangerous. If you must come into contact with them, use any spells necessary to stop them. This concludes this wizard public service announcement. And now over to Jamingo Koibingo for the wizard news. The thing is there, I made up a crazy name because there's a guy in Deathly House called Mundungus. <laughs> Mundungus Fletcher then, mind you. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> a, a, a strong name, no, no less. I mean, in the worlds of Mad-Eye Moody and then... Um, Mundungus is just... And in, then, that is crazy. Uh, who's the dude that wears purple? I can't remember his name. Raiden? What do you mean? Where's well, he, has no, little, no. he has a little hat. Yeah, the guy, the big black guy that wears purple. That um, oh, I can never remember his name. Uh, Kingsley. Kingsley, and his last name is Shacklebolt. Oh yeah, which yeah. is a strong last name, by the way. Real strong last name. I want to say that your accent was very um bad. Irish. It will. It started out. It's so I made a conscious effort in the middle of it because it started out kind of Australian in my ears. So I, I kind of changed it to Irish. Because there is an Irish character. It started out a lot of things. The one. But first Seamus. of all, Davis, big, big mistake. You Seamus Finnegan. What a cr- oh, she's so bad at making names. Cho Chang, my guy. <laughs> Seamus Finnegan. We, we are going to get into all that and more on this episode on Harry Potter's five, six, seven point five, and then wait, no, It'd no, be seven, seven, and then part one and two. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, doesn't matter. Does not matter. Uh, very exciting episode uh, today. Looking forward to a lot of things. I would have said, if, if I can have one critique of your, once again, perfect intro, should have mm-hmm. sent it over to the Quibbler. The Quibbler? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what Luna and them run. It's like the fake newspaper or whatever. It's uh, hilarious. Well, I mean, we can just do it again po- the, if no, you really want to. No, the point is, Luna is my favorite character ever, and we will delve into all of that as well. We, might, we need to take the quiz live on air. Ooh. Man, that could, we don't have time for that. We got, that's the compact, compact Discourse on Monday? I got an okay. exam at 8 a.m. Yeah. Man. Well, I'm going to be there on Monday at 8 a.m. Well, I got an exam I'm going to be taking. Davis, uh, you take the quiz and send us your results. We'll I already know my results. We talked oh. about it last episode. We did. I don't remember last episode. You know who would have been helpful to remember that last episode? Sydney, who was wanting to sit in? I, I don't know. We don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I'll take it back by the question. From last week. <laughs> trivia from last week, as I was saying. There will, there will be blood. Starring Daniel Day Lewis is loosely based on which Upton Sinclair novel? Any any, you know? any guesses? Any guesses? I know what it is. I looked it up after you asked the question uh, uh, last time. Cheater. And, I still and you don't forgot. Remember. Wow, that's what you get for cheating. It's yeah. oil. It is oil yeah, with the exclamation point. <laughs> oil. Oil. Um. Anyway, yeah. I thought it was. We got another what was, what was the one I guessed. <laughs> no. Isn't the he read, he wrote the jungle? That's what I guess. Yes, he said the jungle. That's what I. It's a pretty guessed. solid guess, I think. My cousin made made a joke about that. I don't really remember, but uh, he made a funny joke. I'm sure. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's that's the trivia for Great. awesome, awesome content. And we have a good tri- we have a good trivia question at the end as well that'll really stump some people. It relates to here's the hint. It relates to Professor Trelawney. That's mm. that's the one and only hint that I'll be giving you until we read that trivia question off okay. at the end. Anyway, on to the news. Quentin Tarantino, lover of feet and many other things, <laughs> says that Marvel actors aren't movie stars on the podcast Two Bears One Cave. He said, "quote." You have all these actors who have become famous playing these characters, but Captain America is the star. Thor is the star. There's not really much room for anything else. I, I'm assuming we all really agree with that point. 
Yes. Also, I shared all my trivia, all my news notes with Braden. She didn't even have her MacBook here. To... I was I was offering I can to show. Look it up. No, it's okay. Hey, I have man. them right here. Hey man, I mean, like I, I just try, look at I, mine because I'm not going to look, look at them. Ladies and okay. gentlemen, I, we try our best to make sure our guests are prepared, but sometimes they I'm just don't. So they don't prepared. put in the effort. I don't no, know what you're talking about. Okay, I already have a thing for this. Oh. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson said to him, even though he's worked with him several times, everybody knows this from like Pulp Fiction or whatever. He was and like, Django and all that stuff. He was like, I would disagree. I think that. And he like played the Chadwick Boseman card and was like, I think Chadwick was the star, not Black Panther. Well, I mean, but Chadwick Chadwick was the star. That, that I think that is different. I don't know because I mean, think think about. I think Chadwick becomes the star almost in retrospect. One could say, yeah, because I mean, he, he look. I I always loved Chadwick Boseman. We loved. Well, the I've fact seen that a lot people movies, wanted but to what's recast- happened since. The, true, but the fact that people wanted to recast him to keep the mantle. I think true. That's that 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 raises that certain question. And again, I mean, because when he, like when he pulled up in Civil War, it was <gasps> it's Black Panther. That, well, like if if Tom Cruise was unable to do Mission Impossible, they're not going to recast Ethan Hunt or whatever. Yeah, I think Chadwick is the exception to the current rule almost yeah. at that point. Because like, so here, here's here's what everybody brought up a good point, and we're going to debate this later with a certain Ministry of Truth segment that I'm very excited for. Mystery the of idea Magic. the idea was that like Robert Downey Jr. has not had a successful film since Iron Man, even though like. Back in the 90s, Stallone could be in anything and it would make money. Arnold Schwarzenegger could be in The Kindergarten Cop and make money because The Terminator made – like it's just different. Like Doolittle was a flop and Doolittle was a flop because it looked like a bad movie. Yeah, but how many bad movies was Stallone in? Good lord, so many. Except Demolition Man. Great Isn't movie. that one where he's in The Tunnelist? He's in the movie – that movie's horrible. I heard it was good. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Because there's just a 30-second scene where he's I like good. he's like trying to get a guy, but he's like, come on, breathe! In! Out! In! Just over and over and over again. Alex, if you were in a tunnel, I feel like you might appreciate someone telling you. All I know is I like Demolition Man because everything's Taco Bell. But anyway, we'll move on from there. We're going to talk <laughs> about this a bit later on because it relates to further. However, also Tarantino confirms that his next project will be an eight-episode miniseries. Filming is not... Is set to begin in 2023, and nothing else is known yet about the project. I trust him, though. I don't. Really? I have a hatred for him, but it's personal. It's personal. <laughs> Why don't you expand more on that? Yeah, I, I was about to say, let, let, let the people know exactly what's going on. I don't like the culture around his movies. I think people act like they're so good, and they're just fine. Hmm. I think... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was awful. Yeah, it's not a good movie. And everybody, he thinks it's his best movie. It's not his best movie, but it's not awful. I, I didn't like well, it. Well, like the, the his ending. best one, Django's my favorite. Inglorious is my second favorite. Hateful Eight's pretty good. A little long. Jackie Brown's good. I think all of his movies are. I, I think Ter- I think if, if I'll say this, he does get a lot of allure from people because it's like oh, subversion of expectations mm. and dialogue scenes that last more than a minute because that's what popular because when he was making action movies in the 90s and in the early 2000s that was commonplace enough so he gets props for doing that i'll say this because i I, I want want to finish up i do that because i want i want to let alex know that i have something to say instead of interrupting him it's 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 a good flow here yeah brayden when you have have 61 episodes of movie podcast you're welcome to have your own ideas and we have like (laughs) hundreds of broadcasts together indeed we figured out some things does that mean i have to raise my hand no Got you can it. butt in. This is for me. Alex and I run over each other if we don't. If I don't okay. raise my exactly. hand, um, I can see it in his eyes when he has something to talk to say. <laughs> if our, if our you gave me the option no of bounds. seeing like Jurassic World or like a Quentin Tarantino movie in theaters, I think I know which one I'm choosing every time. Well, yeah, but Jurassic, any of those sequels, Jurassic World. Jurassic World's not a good benchmark. <laughs> but like, I'm just talking about like, any of these like new sequel movies. Yeah, 
I yeah, I personally, get that. I get that. But is this series going to be another love letter to Hollywood? Because I'd rather stab myself. I'm I yeah. I don't think I think I don't think so. I think honestly, in in the most Tarantino fashion, what if you was to flip the superhero genre on its head, which would be a little old because mm. The Boys has already done that and Invincible's already done He's that. He's going to do another neo western with a lot of blood and an actor you free, you didn't know could be so good in a movie. Uma Thurman, Jen, uh, Jamie Fox, John Travolta. Hey there, man. There you go. A lot of them. Hmm. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Channing Tatum. Wait, so Kurt Russell, are you talking about that? uh late. No, but he's in that other one, that car oh, one. He's in, um, oh, what's it called? That one. That one's not one of his best ones. He made that for like a film festival. My grandma hates that movie. Anytime we talk about any movie, she's like, you know who I don't like? Kurt Russell because of that movie. <laughs> I'm like, wow, grandma. Good for you, man. I, I don't what really about know. The Thing? Oh, that's oh, not, well, that's that's not, not a Tarantino, Tarantino movie. But that I my, know, but. That is my favorite horror Kurt movie. Russell. True. Kurt Russell, very Death good in that proof. movie. Death Proof. That's what it was. Thank you, Davis, as always. Now, anyway, we got to move on because we got a lot to talk about in this episode. Some DC animated films and video games will be canon in the new DCU, according to co-CEO James Gunn. So that's certainly a new strategy, at least as far as the superhero universe seems to go. It'll be interesting, but I mean, the, the issue is like some. Like, you just pick which ones are and aren't. Probably, but well, then, that's how they back back in the day when like the animated series and all those were going. Like the games would kind of just tie in to the s- stories. I think it's I think it's dangerous because I think it's like the it's like the Marvel fatigue where people don't want to keep watching Marvel because they have to keep watching to understand it. Like why did everybody like Netflix's series? Partially because they were separate. Like I could watch Daredevil and not to care about what happened. And I think the same thing. With, like no matter what happens with the DCEU, DC animated films have been a thumbs up for like ever. Yeah, and now. Oh, I have to watch a DC animated film to understand the Joker's new movie? Yeah. I'd rather just watch Batman Beyond. I do believe James Gunn is also ramping up to do Kingdom Come, if you know that comic. I'm series. familiar with There seems to be some pushback, because I don't know how good well, he, it he that is. He tweeted about it. He's like, I know he planning something. He's, 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 laying, he's laying little Easter eggs everywhere. Well, I mean, look, James Gunn. I was talking to Cameron about it yesterday. He, he knows about Kingdom Come. I like James Gunn. Yeah. For the most part. He wrote Scooby-Doo too. He did. Speaking of the actually... The better Scooby-Doo better Scooby-Doo, movie. No doubt. And speaking of actually the previous point that Tarantino made, Jennifer Anderson echoed the same thing saying, quote, there are no more movie stars in an interview with Allure. She says, quote, I feel like it's dying. There are no more movie stars. There's no more glamour. Even the Oscar parties used to be fun. And I do think it is really interesting because it is such a shift like restaurants like Planet Hollywood, which is built on the gimmick of, guys, eat a burger next to the wife beater that Bruce Willis wore in Die Hard. Mm. Like those failed because that kind of idea. Like I, I remember people posted the picture of that selfie. Remember that they took at the Oscars with like Ellen and all of them, and yeah. like that was such like a big deal. And now it's just it's just people. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Well, I just have a hard time taking things from people like Jennifer Aniston, who one aren't movie stars, and two she's old. Like obviously she's not going to fit in anymore. No offense to Jen Aniston, but like through the lens, taking ageism to a whole new level I'm right just now. Saying, wow, like Braden. she's not going to fit in <laughs> with the look- new stuff. We're not gonna, you're not going to be allowed to come back on at this okay. rate. <laughs> She's the same one who said she did the morning show on Apple TV because she didn't want to work in front of a green screen. But, like, not every show is green screen. She can come to Eagle Eye. Yeah. I was about to say, not every movie screen, is green screen. Like, there's still really bad sitcoms from NBC and Fox that you can go on if she really wants to. That 90s show, and oh. we're going to pivot to that, why oh, okay. don't we? Uh, the trailer released, mm. trying to find it again, for the sequel to that 70s show, that 90s show, and I never really watched that 70s show, but... There's also that 80s show. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. Is there really? I don't know. Well, either way... They didn't jump from the 80s to the 90s, or 70s to the 90s for nothing. Well, this just causes me a lot of pain. 
Like, why why are they doing this? What what what? Why did they do this? That '80s show was a one year spinoff. Yes, and it was where Glenn Howerton got a start. If you can believe that. Interesting. There you um, go. Fun but fact. why are they doing this? Why why haven't people learned yet? Because nostalgia sells. There's only one good good spinoff sequel to a uh, series ever, and it's Frasier. I was about. I was gonna make sure mm. that she said that. I mean, yeah, everybody knows. It's awesome. I'm sure you could think of another one. I, I mean, uh, probably uh, Better Call Saul. I just want to say. Okay, that. okay, okay, okay. okay. That, there, that's there's more than just that. Narcos has this. I was, think, I was thinking of like the sitcoms because there's so many of those. It seems Wasn't like Girl Meets World popular. Uh, it's a little like after us, but like I think it, was it was on was, Disney. Yeah. Well, no, but it, 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 I didn't think it was. I think it was just kind of coasted on the Boy Meets World. Did lore. Fuller House get any traction? Not really. I tr- I actually watched it, and it was, uh, it was okay. Hmm. It was all right. Still, the point is, why is that '90s show being made? Who who is it for? That's always the question. It's always the million dollar question, isn't it? And anyway, moving on to uh, an upcoming film that's not a remake, guys. Not a remake. Bradley Cooper will star as Frank Bullitt in the next film from Steven Spielberg. The film will not be a remake, but an original story around the character. Which I believe... Who is this character again? That was going to be my question. Yeah, that was going to be your question. He's like a a private eye or something. Good question is any. Um, No, he's... Oh, it's the the Steve McQueen movie. Yeah, he's he's a SFPD police officer. In a movie, Bullet. An interesting choice. Interesting. Well, I like Bradley Cooper, so that gets a thumbs up. But I, do. I don't really know anything about. I don't, again, who is this movie for, Steven Spielberg? I like you a lot, but. Did you see Rotten Tomatoes did that whole like bracket of like the best Spielberg movies? I did not. Who won? Uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. It was. It what? came down to or, that and Jaws. I about to say, how, how did they determine what was best? Wait, Saving Private Ryan. Schindler's List. <laughs> Guys, you have to. I would disagree as well, but it was brackets. I forget that. Shin, sometimes I forget. Well, if you're going off like best blockbuster, then obviously it's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. But like, if but you're like, going best movie overall, it's Schindler's it's List. it's it's Schindler's List. Mm. So was that just like so? Was it like a poll thing, or was it like me, just just rating versus rating? It was bracket style. It was voting. I do believe okay. you saw it when you were on Twitter earlier. You just didn't. I, you, you know, didn't recognize most it. of Twitter's just my eyes glazed over as I keep on scrolling endlessly until I find. What a world something. we live in today. Hey man, I just actually <laughs> gave a presentation on this. It's pretty crazy. Honest tech and culture: Why uh, technological colonialism is taking over. Mm. It's very interesting. Well, you, would you like to enlighten us? No, yeah. not at all. Uh, that's not what this <laughs> podcast is for. Though you guys can tune in on my Saturday at midnight show where I just go crazy. But oh, yeah, no, nah, not oh. even not a real thing. Never will be a real thing. I need to go to bed anyway. Sad news, unfortunately, as Braden looks up something, looks up the poll. We're going to talk about this for a moment. Jason David Frank, best known for his role as the Green Ranger, Tommy in the Power Rangers franchise, has passed away at the age of very of forty nine. Very sad news. Very very iconic character, and I know Davis wasn't a big Power Ranger guy, but I was. Braden, I imagine you were not a big Power no. Rangers Power Rangers fan. Few few are, it seems. I definitely played Power Rangers, you know, like outside. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> All I know is I like the Mighty Morphin Power. That movie's hilarious. But yeah, rest in peace to John da- or Jason David Frank there. And then moving on, as Braden still looks for this Rotten Tomatoes, I bracket, found it. I found, found it. it. I found All right, it. what do we get? What do we got? Okay, it was bracket style voting by each round. Winter Shivers, let's go it out. It was. It got out against Saving Private Ryan. But that's a tough. That's what a tough draw. Munich, I think. I don't know. Not seen that one. I'm surprised about E.T. getting out very fast. Who did E.T. lose to? Jurassic Park. That's a tough draw, though. Like that's and Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is hard. That's the thing is the man has like has a lot of movies. Like he has a lot of very good movies. Why Jurassic Park? I get it. What would you have chose? 
Not Bracket Style, just all of his movies. Pick it. Oh, my goodness. No, you got to now. Yeah, Davis and I know. I love Jaws, but I really like E.T. too. Mm. Honestly, I'll say Jaws is his best work, just story-wise, like how yeah. he had to handle it and whatnot. Such a young director. It went over budget by like $10 million. Hmm. The shark didn't work, which is why the movie is so good, because they planned on showing the shark all the time, but then, of course, hmm. they didn't. So, like... That's like his best like overall job, I would say. But best movie, it's Schindler's List. It's Schindler's List. Yeah. However, okay, another Ray Fiennes movie. That one. Oh my god, <laughs> craziness! I'm just, like, I think that's honestly, I, I don't want to say because he did pick John Williams, even though John Williams said like no. But like John Williams' score elevates that movie so much. It's still a good, very good movie though. Either way, and he did convince him to do it because John Williams is like, I am not worthy, and he's like, but you are. Mm. And mm. and then he's like, what if I get this girl with this violin to just make everyone sob their eyes out? I did. It what a movie. Any, I cannot wait to do an episode on that. So it's, it's in the works. I might cry doing that, man. Good. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not even kidding. That movie is probably the one that maybe like genuine like Big Fish made me cry because I was on medicine while watching Machine Schindler's made me like sob. We'll just, just do we'll just do a two hour like, me. And, oh my goodness. We'll, we'll just do we'll a two hour me and Davis crying on the air, just like <laughs> oh, no. just thinking about the plot of the father. I'm not, I'm not above it. Thinking about the final scene of the father. Thinking about Coco when he's walking across the bridge used to get me. I've never even seen. I you know, I haven't seen Coco in its seen entirety. Coco? I'll admit. Alex knows how much I love Coco. And my, how much, I used to watch it every night before I went to bed. My mom school. knows how much Davis likes Coco and likes to remind him that she does not like it. I used to be able to just think of the scene when he's singing to his grandma. Oh, my goodness. Am I well, we, we got to get out of here before we keep getting nostalgic. However, uh, speaking of nostalgia, guys, Bob Iger is back as CEO of Disney after oh. Bob Chepek exits following a tumultuous two years in the role. I know a lot of people who hated uh, Chepek thinks this yes. is like the savior moment. But as Davis and I said, Iger's the guy that said buy up all the IPs like it's the Infinity Gauntlet. So... One bad CEO for another, I suppose. Though I know Chepek was doing much worse stuff. Braden, you can maybe elaborate on that he more. Was, he was. I am very engrossed in the Disney uh, know-hows. And so is even my brother knew, and he's 11. But he, and he's 11. He yeah. is 11. Well, he thought I was a nice guy, and he didn't say a word to me. So clearly this is a very perceptive, uh, perceptive 11-year-old. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, we were at Disney World when this news came out. And I'm telling you, every single person, the thousands of people there was talking about it. Even the like the workers, we were talking to the workers about it, and everyone was excited. I think it was just like a perception thing. Yeah, you know, Bob Iger came out and kissed an old lady on the mouth. It was crazy. He's just like, wait, what? No, Alex, no. I, I was like, honestly, I believe it. I believe <laughs> he, it. He was just generally well liked, and I think he's just like a nice dude, even if he's like an evil corporation. And the other mm. guy was just not a nice dude. His first like act as CEO is he took a bunch of like Disney beat reporters, which. I'm sad to say, is a thing, to lunch and was basically like, be nice to me. Oh, we don't like that. Hmm. And everybody was like, okay. We, we, the journalists, do not support that nonsense. He's known as Bob Paycheck. That's what my brother oh, calls him. That's good. That's good. He also apparently said that uh, animation was for kids and not adults. So, uh, and animation's for anybody. Yes, exactly. Sure. Animation is good. If it's good, it's good. If it's Treasure Planet, it's Treasure Planet. If it's Coco, it's Coco. <laughs> Exactly. If it's Toy Story 3, it may not be for kids, man. They almost got set on fire. If it's the Lego movie, if we're talking about favorite animated movies. Mm -hmm. Ah, before Chris Pratt was just going, it's-a me, Mario. That's not the voice. 
We need to get that as a sound. <laughs> it's actually a me, guys. Sorry, guys. Something hey, guys. It's, a, it's me, Mario. Anyway, we're going to get to that, too. However, James Cameron said that the idea for Avatar came from his dreams. You think the unobtainium came did from you, his dream, too? <laughs> did you read this? Quote? I got it. I, I got the name for this rare mineral. Can't have him. No, it's not it. <laughs> Where is it? No, it's unobtainium. <laughs> he said, quote, I have my own private streaming service that's better than any of that stuff out there, and it runs every night for free. Look, True. Cameron is, he's an interesting guy, because Kate Winslet, after Titanic, said he was, she was never going to be in a movie of his again. He also says that um, apparently you know, the only way to get his attention on set is the crew has to play the awooga sound effect. <laughs> I would like to say, I think me and James Cameron should have like a like a dream off. He's a funny guy. I got, I got all my Davis, stuff written down. if you read it off no, again, I will mute your mic and Braden and I will continue this without you. I'm just saying, I got some good dreams. I think they might be better than James Cameron's. I can make a movie out of some of those. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you I will could. give James Cameron credit. I love Titanic, but like he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> Making eight Avatar movies. And did we're you hear, just what, did to you hear what he said about about the question about its runtime? Yes. Dave, did you hear that? Because uh, somebody asked him, like, well, when is somebody supposed to pee? It's like, oh, don't worry about it. They'll just see what they miss when they watch it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot. Almost. You got to cut that out, though. That was, that was too close. <laughs> Dave's Carroll. <laughs> I might as well say it while you're cutting it out. Oh, he's writing it down. I am writing it down, Davis. Don't, don't be saying here, these wait, wait, wait. Here, here, so you can know when the end of it is. Ready? I'm, I'm actually going to help you right here. You ready to start back? Uh, yeah. You ready? I'm going to clap so you have like a, a slate marker. Brilliant job, Davis. And with that, we will. <laughs> it's funny because people are going to be wondering what happened. Uh, we'll move on to according a story according to Deadline. Marvel's Blade, starring Mahershala Ali, is back in development. Yan Demeng. I'm going to guess that's how you say his name. From Lovecraft Country will now direct with Michael Starbury, who wrote When They See Us, coming on to write the script. Have either of you seen When They See Us? No. I plan to. Um, it's fire. You need to watch it, Davis. You would love it. I know. I know for a fact. Without, without a shadow it's of about, a doubt. It's about the, the Central Park Five. Very tragic uh, scene of, state of events that happened And it to has them. one of the guys from Moonlight. It does, yes. I don't remember who, but it's a really, the guy really... guy plays young Kevin. Really, Kevin. really great, gotcha. great uh, show. And well, that's exciting. At least Blade's finally moving forward, I guess. Right? I guys? really like Mahershala Ali. I love Mahershala Ali. Yeah. It, oh, and it has Michael. Great. It has Michael K. Williams in it too. Yes. Well, it it does. When they see us, I'm talking about right now. Yeah. yeah what, a, what a what a show, really. And moving on with that, according to Empire Magazine, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will feature six different dominant animation styles alongside several others. The film hits theaters in June of 2023. Obviously, we're all very excited for that. I'm assuming. Yeah. Talk about great animated movies. That's probably the benchmark for recent times definitely i'm really looking forward to seeing where like it's gonna go in terms of how it's gonna balance cameos and stuff because like mm -hmm. you know the first film kind of notably was like what if we just do like spider noir and the spider pig and stuff like that but like now that it's mm -hmm. popular will it because i'm trying to think of what's um like the mandalorian right so the mandalorian john favreau's like guys the new season's gonna have more mandalorians more space battles more surprises and i'm like that's kind of not what the critics <laughs> yeah. of Star Wars won. And that's not what The Mandalorian was at its start. At its right. core, it was just a Western. It was not a very good Western, but it was a Western. And it kind of has... I mean, I, I didn't like parts of it. Well, anyway, I still haven't seen it. So. The, po the point stands. It kind of then was like, oh, we're getting a second season because we're so popular. Um, Ahsoka Tanu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cad Bane, is he in that uh, one? Uh, Luke Skywalker. No, he's in Boba Fett. Oh. Um, but so it's the same thing yeah. here. Like, Do you think like they're going to like bring in Tom Holland? And I have no I heard that, yeah. yes. I heard, which... 
I trust the creators to okay, handle it imagine, well, but imagine this, if you will. Imagine. So they they Tom Holland shows up, but obviously uh, Miles Morales would have to be live action too, and then that person that plays him would be the live action Miles Morales in Marvel. That I think I, that would get me. I think they I'm should keep the Spider-Man. same. What's his name? Uh, Shamik Moore. Yeah, love Shamik Moore. Me too. Shamik Moore is in Dope, which I watched recently. Mm-hmm. Dope, the movie Dope. Oh, I didn't see. He's that. the main character. I thought you, I thought you just like you like messed up and were meant to say Dope sick, and I was like, you know, that. great great show though. Dope. ASAP Rocky's also in it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And thinking, speaking of more, uh, I guess what we talked about with Star Wars there, according to Collider, showrunner as in showrunner of Andor, Tony Gilroy gives a funny answer as to why we don't see more aliens in Star Wars spin-off Andor, which was actually a really big criticism of the series. Mm. He said, quote, In some places people were saying, oh, why is Narkina 5 all humans? Well, I don't know how you would work out the bathroom on the floor with eight different varieties of genitals or whatever. What? I didn't even read this before I read... I mean, it has to be that that way. A system like that, maybe there's Narkina too, where there's different things. We're probably a little bit shy about it because it's such a behavioral show, and most of our principles are in this particular world. And certainly, the Empire doesn't have a surplus of aliens on their side. I'm a bit. I love him odd quote. because he made Andor, he made it different, and he didn't make it like Star Wars esque with cameos and aliens. And True. anytime anybody questions him about it, he says something like that. He just he just is like, you know, so what, guys, maybe may, maybe just move on. Is because like that yeah. was kind of a nonsense quote, but I think it was also kind of just a he was trolling the trolls, like yes. certain like, people who, that are like complaining they're bricks in Star Wars. He was like, who cares? I would have just been like, who cares? Like, I'm, I can't wait to direct a Star Wars show. It is be like Davis. Why don't you have all these? Why isn't it's so funny to me because Jingo Bingo and I go they 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 complain about that endlessly and then if you watch A New Hope again like the main non-human characters outside of Chewbacca exactly gets an arm cut off but like still our primary characters are Mm. human outside of Chewie Mm -hmm. like yeah and all the Empire was entirely human which has changed in recent memory somewhat but still like that like but people are just retroactively saying like well my headcanon that was entirely about um the siege of ryloth says we should see more of a non-human character i'm like who cares There's if that it's girl good that it's sings good in uh the third one you remember that song uh-huh <laughs> Brayden gets it <laughs> i think i do unfortunately Oh, no. Anyway, Davis, now something to get you angry. The official poster for HBO's The Last of Us has been released. The series will premiere on January 15th. Why does this make you angry? Well, so here's uh, the thing. This doesn't make me that angry because the posters actually looked pretty good. I will but if say. you want to find out why Davis is angry, you can listen to the Everything Ever All in One episode. I'll, I'll explain further, though. <laughs> uh, some people may know. Braden, you may know or may not know. I play video games. What? Yeah. It's, I know it's a crazy idea. Shocker. But my favorite <laughs> video game of all time, which I've beat probably nine times now, is The Last of Us. Okay. That has the best story I've ever played. I think it's probably better than any movie like Star Wars because you get to play it, obviously. You're, you're, you're in control of the character, so it's, it's, you're, you're more engrossed in it. And it's my favorite game of all time. I think it's the best, the best game of all time, most well-written. I know I've already kind of said that, but uh, I don't think it should be made into a movie or a show. Interesting. Because just go play the game. Yeah. I just the, feel like... It, the trailer did look shot for shot. Because there's... there's because also another game is one of my favorites of all time is Uncharted. Mm. I've played all those multiple times. The fourth one the most. I think that one has the best story. And uh, the movie wasn't good because they just yeah. missed the essence of Uncharted. Hmm. Like it was – I kind of want to rewatch it because it's – I don't know. But uh, I'm kind of scared they're going to do that with The Last of Us. Well, I really like Pedro Pascal. I mean I like Pedro Pascal too but like it's – I don't know if he can pull off Joel because Joel's not a good person. Like he's, 
not a good person in the games. And, and that's, that's like that's point. like that's the point. Like you're playing as this person that's like, like he's done bad things, but like you kind of root for him like Rick and the Walking Dead. You're him. Rick and the Walking Dead. I mean, he kind of spirals out of control by season yeah. six. But that, starts that, out as a good person. Well, yeah, but the progression is how like. Season one, he's like, we we don't kill the living. And then season two, he has killed the living. And then season three, he kills more of the living. It's just, you know, progression. We'll get you to play last of us. You'll get it. Anywho. First, first 20 minutes, I'll have you crying. Speaking mm-hmm. of a really, really good movie that we're all very excited for, the new trailer for Damien Chazelle's Babylon, starring Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, and Brad Pitt has been released. The, uh, the, the new synopsis reads, A tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity. In early Hollywood. You say we're all excited for this movie? I, mean, I feel like we are. Dan, are you not? Do you not like Whiplash and La La Land? I do. Are you not obsessed with Margot Robbie like the rest of the human population? I am. Who isn't? Who isn't? I'd say I'm obsessed with her. Hey, man. She's fantastic. She's pretty cool. But the idea of the movie... Mm. Can you all handle this just for a second? Yeah. Yes. I'll be right back. What? I drank some water right before this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, Braden, continue. David, Davis, wait. Before you go, who was the who was the actress that we were like fawning over uh, yesterday? I couldn't remember who it was, or last episode. There was some actress that we were, they were like, well, she's gorgeous or whatever. Oh, I, Lupita Nyong'o. That's right. She is. She is. We could certainly just talk about that for she's six minutes so while, David, while Davis is gone. I was like, Megan, look at this photo of Lupita Nyong'o and Wakanda forever. She's gorgeous. So pretty. She showed up and I was like, oh. Oh, I got I got the butterflies. I was like, oh my god, Lupita! What no, are you doing? No, I I'm love I love Margot, and I will watch her be hot in this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna go see it. But like, I'm tired of this stupid like. Let's go talk about Hollywood. Who cares? Did you not like Mank then? No, I hated Mank. So it was awful. It was, it was boring. Um, I trust Damien Chazelle. That's all I'll say. I do. If you if you told me, guys, what if the plot? What, what are you gonna watch a movie about? a drummer and his really mean teacher, I'd have been like, okay, lukewarm. And then Whiplash, I was like, oh, that's the best movie ever. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, I trust him to take that concept to the next step. Yeah. La La Land's the same way. I love La La Land, but you can only do it so many times. True, but I think I think this is, I think this is probably, based on at least what I've been, the trailers, it's probably his most flawed character cast to date. Mm. Like, think about Whiplash, it's, Innocent drummer versus evil teacher, right? Mm-hmm. La La Land is just two people that are very passionate about something that goes up. This, Margaret Robbie's out here doing cocaine in between shots, it seems like. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's, there's opportunities there. I think the, tra- the trailers are not going to give away what Chazelle has planned. And again, I trust him till he proves, till he disappoints me. I also don't like Brad Pitt. So mm. he's, he's spoiling so many, this So many movie. people. What, what did Brad Pitt ever do to you? Apparently he was kind of abusive to his. Yeah. Kids oh, and okay. Yeah, I, that's my bad. I'm not. I'm not in the in that loop. He is pretty charming though. He also was like, "Hey, Harvey, stay away from Gwyneth Paltrow," but then apparently didn't decide to tell anybody about what Harvey was doing. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so like his pouring face. beer on his. He's not even that good of an actor. Okay. That and he might be pushing it a little. <laughs> well, okay. You might have. Have you seen Benjamin Button? He plays everything yes. from an infant to a hundred nine years old. Seven old things. Yes. Seven. What's in the Twelve box? Monkeys. I love. To, I'm talking about new things. Bullet Train. That was fun. That was have you seen Moneyball? Okay. Yeah, Moneyball. Moneyball is not new. Uh, it's newer. It's last ten years. Last eleven. Let me let me investigate. I think he was pretty decent in. Uh, he was really good in Ad Astra, but you don't like it. So he was pretty good in Ad Astra for whatever it's worth. Apparently. Recent years, like yeah, like Lost City. Yeah, exactly. Bullet Bullet Train's fun. I really like Bullet Train. I'm gonna be honest. Fury. Oh, yeah, you lost with that one. At game, game set match. I didn't see it. Twelve so. Years a Slave. 
I forgot he was in that. He's in not in it for very long. Very long. Big short. He's good in Big Short. Oh yeah, he is. So why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we? Hey, breach the gap here. We got we got some division, (laughs) some anger. Let's talk about something we're all excited about: Cocaine Bear. Oh yes. (laughs) Cocaine Bear, ladies and gentlemen. This movie will be releasing in February of 2023. Brady and I will be there in the front row, opening night. (laughs) What a movie! I'm so excited. (laughs) This is real cinema. True story of a bear in 1985 that eat that ate like a kilo of cocaine and just went on a blood feud rampage. It's also the reunion of a bunch of characters from the show The Americans, which is a really good show. Carrie Russell's in it. You know, this happened to my buddy Eric one time. <laughs> Why uh, did you laugh at that? <laughs> it's so easy. I think I think the the fact that most things Davis says incite such a large laugh that was implied a condescending. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You laughed. <laughs> Brilliant podcasting yet again. Much yeah, like easy is to make him laugh. Didn't last week? Didn't we just go? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> we did just, oh, see, Brayden listens, so she knows. You can just recount whatever we were talking about last week. Anyway, yeah. I'm so excited for Cocaine Bear. It looks absurd. I can't wait. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. David's done what? Nope. I'll see it. I like What's seeing that? things in theaters. And speaking of what we all just saw in theaters, the menu, um, John. How do you, is Liguizamo. it Liguizamo? He says that he based his washed up actor character from the menu on Steven Seagal, who he calls, quote, a horrible human. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Great job, John Liguizamo. Liguizamo. Yeah. Love that. He's, he's also pretty good. I like him, too. He's good in. You know, he's, he's in um, he Lincoln Lawyer. Play, he kind of plays the same person, but I like him. He's yeah. in Lincoln Lawyer. He was Lawyer. also Sid in Ice Age, so. That's true. Nice job for that yeah. one. The menu um, was fun. The menu was crazy. Awesome movie. Awesome movie indeed. Also, breaking news, guys. Another Ray Fiennes movie. <laughs> Another Ray Fiennes. It's it's the Ray Fiennes cinematic universe. Oh He's God. in some good movies. He is. The new trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie starring Chris Pratt as Mario has been released, and Anya Taylor Joy as Princess yeah. Peach. Oh yeah. When I heard yeah. her talk, I almost fell out of my chair. I couldn't. <laughs> and I Charlie like, Day's Luigi. Love Charlie Day. Which you can hear. Jack Black as Bowser, though. That's, that's a good a great one. Choice. That's that's a good one. I mean, guys, what do we think outside of the Chris Pratt mm. accent being a total failure? The movie doesn't look half bad. I'll give it that. Uh, I think Charlie Day and Jack Black, great choices for them. I'm not convinced because it's an Illumination movie. They You they... don't like the Minions? Well, Brayden's mic is off. She's been <laughs> escorted out of the room. Nick Cage came in and just took Brayden out. Hello, Alex. <laughs> I have to take Brayden out of here. <laughs> minions. Just I cannot wait. No, till I we... don't like minions. Does <laughs> we one and two are fine? I can't wait till we do the Jurassic Park episode because you're hello, Alex. Hello, so, Alex. It, so, it sounds like the the raptor going Alan. And it's an impression. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's an impression of an impression, which means it's get lost in translation. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, illumination. I would like to just point out. Illumination is the reason you can thank for uh, like voice actors not actually getting work anymore. Oh yeah, because it's just uh, like it's just like celebrities. Yeah, yeah, that's like celebrities. Oh yeah, Lego Movie could be to blame for that, but Lego Movie did it well. Lego Movie, yeah. picked, Lego Movie picked a good voice actors. Yeah, like Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt he was, was good. good he, he was also he was just, he was just himself. Yeah, he was not. He was not even popular at that time because that was before uh, Jurassic World, I think. But like all those DC, all the DC animated movies are still getting all the voice, like all the tried and true voice. Like Jensen Ackles was in him. He's yeah. good at it. He's, Nolan North is a great voice actor. Yeah. He's Jonesy in Fortnite as well. And then I mean, uh, D. Bradley okay. Baker's a good voice actor <laughs> in anything. Obviously, Nolan North's in a lot of. He's, he's yeah. Nathan Drake. I mean, it looks good outside outside of the really bad voice. He's like, it's uh, me. Uh, Mario. It's a me. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, guys. It's a me, Mario. So it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen in the movie. I'll put money on that. How much money? Ten bucks. 
Ten bucks that that is a joke that happened. Davis has made deals with me on the air that he still hasn't paid me back for. So oh. I think I, I think, tell me right now. I think he made one deal on the air where I said he had to get a tattoo of Kevin Durant. But I, I remember that because if he left, if he left the Warriors and he did, that is not what the deal was. If he went to the Mavericks, oh. I would get a tattoo. Oh, oops. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on. The first <laughs> trailer for Harrison know, Ford's return in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny hitting theaters June 2023. It worked, man. Yeah, it, 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 got it me. had an effect. It got me. It got you. When he when he picked up the hat, I was like, I'm a Ugh. huge huge Indiana Jones fan. And Crazy. It worked, it worked on me. <laughs> it worked. It worked indeed. And then lastly, of course, the first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three from Marvel Studios hitting theaters May of 2023. It didn't work. It kind of right. worked on me. It worked on me. My it brother was... literally just texted me and said, did you see the Guardians trailer? You're yes. a big Guardians fan. We are. You know, I saw Guardians opening day for my birthday. I went opening day. Look at that. I wow. guess it was your birthday. Look at that. Look at that. Happy birthday to me Happy in birthday 2014 or whatever it was. What what a time it must have been. I think it was the day after my birthday. I think we talked about this on the show. That movie. Good movie. So good. Good movie indeed. Let me tear up that one. Too bad the rest of the MCU is uh, going to be a little bit of a downward spiral. We'll talk about. We'll say that this is Harry Potter. Eighty hours. Yeah. Then so moving on to Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I'm not going to read the whole cast list off because you guys know the usual suspects that are in it, except for Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange. Ray finds again as Lord Voldemort. Let's see who else. Any were there any new additions in this movie? Oh wait, Tom Hall Gleason, there right? was Imelda no. Staunton no. as Dolores Umbridge, oh. the bane of my existence. And that is yeah. Oh wait, no. Uh, Katie Lung play well. She she returns as Cho Chang, and then Robbie Hart, Robert Hardy plays the Ministry of Magic. Cornelius Fudge, again all the usual ones, and then George Harris and Natal- Natalia Tena play members of the Order of the Phoenix, Kingsley Shacklebolt and Nymphadora Tonks. See, she did so good with those names. Yeah. But then Seamus Finnegan and Cho Chang. We're gonna we're gonna get Shacklebolt. It's a fun. Na- we you just we you oh, literally I earlier hear it we talked. Shacklebolt. I hear it now. Oh wait, the one black character's name Shacklebolt. Oh wait, oh, that I didn't. I didn't put that connection. I'll admit. Come on, like I, I didn't. Put not that not you. Not a come on to you. Come on to J.K. Rowling. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I wow. <sighs> anyway, moving on. I'm just saying. All I'm all I'm saying is George Harris played. Uh, Kingsley very good. So thumbs up to him. Ivana Lynch joins the cast as Ravenclaw Love. student Luna Lovegood. My favorite. <laughs> Character ever. Yeah, you kind of remind me of her. Even Alex. kidding. The announcements of the casting. So listen to this. The announcements of the casting of the rest of the new characters to the series was spanned across 2006. Ivana Lynch won the role of Luna over 15,000 other actors who attended them, the actually. open casting call, waiting in waiting in a line of hopefuls that stretched a mile long. Yeah, I'm not listening to you, Davis. I was just cranking out jokes over here. You were, and they were so funny. Uh, directed by David Yates, his first film. In the series, his only you didn't other say your fun fact about who missed missed the role for Luna oh, Lovegood. Uh, I don't. How do you say Saoirse her? Ronan? Saoirse Ronan auditioned. Saoirse. Saoirse Ronan auditioned for the role, but was considered too young. Which interesting, hmm, pretty crazy. She's pretty good actress too, though. She's so. a great actress, indeed she is. That's what I said. David That's Yates, uh, his other films, The Tichborn Claimant and The <laughs> Legend of Tarzan and the Fantastic Beasts movies. So not exactly the resume of champions, but he does a pretty solid job here. This is the one screenplay. Not from Steve Clovis, it's Michael Goldenberg, who was considered to pen the first film in the series and filled in and wrote the script. Clovis subsequently returned to write all the remaining installments. I like Goldenberg in this film for what he did, but he also wrote Green Lantern 2011. So, Ooh. tough one for the him. All the Usual Suspects, cinematography by Slawamer Idziak and edited by Mark Day. And then Nicholas Hooper took over the music for this film after Patrick Doyle in the fourth film. And again... 
not really anything there outside of just emphasizing some new themes for Umbridge. Released in June of 2007, and one of the shortest films in the series at 2 hours and 18 minutes. With a big-time budget of $150-$200 million, the film did really well at the box office with $942 million worldwide. Its five-day opening of $330 million and made it the second-highest-grossing film of 2007. However, it's apparently a noted case of Hollywood accounting as Warner Brothers claimed to have lost $167 million on the film. Which wow. That's the whole. You gotta account ca- for all the the advertising. That's the whole well. ca- case of Hollywood accounting is that they kind of fudge the numbers sometimes and claim yeah. things as losses when they are not. It's a little suspect. Nominated for two BAFTA Film Awards, Best Production Design and Best Visual Effects. Roger Ebert gave it two point five out of four. Though Harry no longer has as much joy, he said. Uh, that's kind of the point. One could say I, I agree with that. Roger Ebert was no like he's very famous and whatnot, and he deserves it for a lot of it. But he also was very like nitpicky with if the movie doesn't end up being how I wanted the movie to be, then I'm going to complain. Hmm. That's kind of just what he, he did at times. I found that those reviews. But anyway, The Order of the Phoenix, kind of, you know, a big tonal shift. Again, first yeah. new director, kind of takes the movie forward after Gobble the Fire. And, I mean, I like it a lot. I will admit, I yeah. really – what I was talking about with, with – I told Luke this earlier, and this is kind of going to be a common theme for me this whole episode, is I think – the first four films are more even across the board for me. Like they're, you know, like say the high moment and the low moment in the film are a lot closer together. But with this, I think my criticisms are harsher, but also the moments that are good are like some of the best, my favorite scenes ever. Like yeah. no matter what happens in this film, the entire final action set piece at the ministry is like enough to make it worth Great. it. Great. That that's kind of how I feel about all four of these films that we're going to talk about in some way <laughs> or another. What? I just thought about the funny moment that I'll bring up later. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, what, what, what do we got to say about this one? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's kind of sandwiched in between. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a middle one. It came after what people think are the two best in Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. So obviously it wasn't going to live up to that hype. But what, what do we, how do we feel about it? I really like it. In case that wasn't obvious. My biggest issue is that these last four films just feel like one really long film to me. So like yeah. in my brain, I'm I'm like having trouble parsing out which plots are from which. It it is a lot more connected yeah. than like Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone are like almost unrelated yes. by yeah, comparison. That's a fair point. A lot happens, which I think is fine because they they're they're sequels to each other. So like I think that's a good thing in a lot of ways. It's just when I'm trying to pick apart which parts I liked about this one and which parts I liked about this one. I'm going to have to delve a little deeper in my mind palace over here. That's fair. I mean, I got some things that I can sort of maybe jog your memory over here of some criticisms yeah, go ahead. of it. I can already think of a thing that made me laugh really hard. Really go ahead, Davis. First of all, one thing I didn't really like is the main – during the climax, there was the action sequences, quote-unquote action sequences, where like Harry's like writhing on the ground or whatever. That's like one that I can bring to my mind. The editing of it's like jumping back and forth to different spots on it. When uh, – is it in this one where he goes like – no, that was where he yells at Dumbledore to look at him or something. Yes, I That's like that scene. One. I think there's a weird editing in that one. It was kind of a, a sharp Maybe. cut to emphasize the screen, but I thought that was a really good scene. Well, it, like just the editing, like it keeps jumping around too much. But while Harry's like transforming into Voldemort or whatever, like or he's like doing that whole thing. There's like a one second clip where Voldemort goes, <laughs> and he's like he's <laughs> messing around with his wand for like a split second, which like. It's I a very what, odd I get addition. what they're going for. Like, he's yeah. turned into Voldemort or whatever, but it is the funniest thing. <laughs> unintentionally hilarious. Because I know David Yates was not gonna was not intending for me to laugh out loud when that happened. He's, I was supposed to be like, Voldemort! Oh my gosh! But, ah, ah, ah. 
<laughs> Every time I, I've watched it like ten times. That that that, that is rolling a, that it back. Is, that is a very very very. I watch very it right now. Point, no, don't don't no. do that. Don't do that. Well, I don't know. For me, I always thought the what? <laughs> She's just thinking about it. Lord have mercy. Do I got to turn off your mic now, Davis? Lord have mercy. Okay. Oh, you're, no. Okay, I'm turning on Davis's mic. Brain, we're just gonna have to carry it through. Okay. I I don't know about you, but I always thought the ending of kind of this movie. Goblet of Fire and Half-Blood Prince were all kind of very odd because I think, like, the directors clearly did not want to send the audience home sad, like, mm. five... So think about yes. Goblet of Fire. Like, yes. Cedric yes. gets murdered, and then Hermione's like, everything's going to change, yes. isn't it? And I'm like, your homie just got murdered. Like, what do you mean? Davis, do not distract from the podcast. The tone, take- the tone is very dark, and I like that, but then they try to, like, they try to bring it back from the edge. And I'm like, no, stay on the they, edge. They don't... The thing is, they didn't want to send the audience home sad five straight times, because, like, again, like, the ending of, the, of Goblet of Fire is very weird, and this movie kind of carries the same, because then... It opens as de- depressing as possible. Oh, I love even it. Even though Goblet of Fire kind of ended kind of funny. Oh, sorry, Davis. I so how does on. this one end? So this one ends with like, uh, I wrote it down. They're walking he, to the train station. And he's like, well, we, we, he has something we don't have. Friendship. Like, or, something. or whatever. And it's like, bro, it's just, it's just the same thing where, again, they could not yeah, match yeah, yeah. the fact that like they didn't want to send you home because they knew you were going to go home sad for Half-Blood Prince. And you do. And they knew – well, even though they kind of – and it sort of oddly, and then you knew you're going to go home sad for Deadly Hollows Part One. Yeah, like you know that, and I and I get it, but it just leads to some ham-fisted. Like again, Cedric died. And These kids who never saw a murder happen saw it happen, and Hermione's like flicking her hair, going like everything's going to change, isn't it? Like in the door, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Because somebody died. Yes, Sirius died in the fifth one. Correct? In this one, yes. and and then they try and like are like they're trying like we have to like bring it back up again. I'm like, no. you you don't. I wish they didn't. You don't. Mm-hmm. That that that's a that's some serious beef that is, I had. That's fair. I, I had, agree with y'all. I had with that point, and <laughs> I also think a, a big issue for me is that this movie is what I keep thinking of it, man. Please keep going. The biggest issue for me is that this entire movie's plot is based on miscommunication. Oh, I hate like, that. I, I'm a big I'm a big my biggest pet peeve are movies where they don't talk like humans. Avengers yeah. Josh Whedon edition is one of the worst uh, offenders. If you listen to that episode, Hulk? you'll find out. Smash. <laughs> If you hey, you have actually a, I like that. David, movie do you have I a suit? I like that movie too. Do you have a suit? No. Then you should suit up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terrible. Well, no, but it, it is one of the worst offenders in that category by I, far. I also hate in shows or it's like the the manufactured tension. Where, like it could just if they just went like, hey, I didn't do that, man. It's just misunderstanding. It'd be like, over. And this like movie, Civil War? this movie yes. does it. <laughs> this movie does it worse. Than hey, any, you're going to be on that episode, Brian. So you can talk about it then. Um, this movie does it worse than anybody. We because, not, oh, we haven't done space because. So it's my my biggest gripe with it is the beginning when Sirius at they're all at the Order's headquarters and he's explaining what what they're talking about what Voldemort's looking for and he just keeps like mm-hmm. beating around the bush. At one point, Mad Eye calls him out for it in the film and then it ends with something he didn't have last time. And then Molly's like, "Stop it!" And they just never ever ever address it again. What if what if, what if Voldemort has someone in there listening? No, but that's not why Molly says it. Like Molly says it because they're kids or whatever, and then it's never yeah. addressed. And the whole rest of the movie is because nobody tells him what is going on. That's and a I get it. He's Ugh. a kid. But there's a line where if you're going to start explaining it, but Brayden, you're clearly beefed up with this, so what, what do we got? <laughs> this is, is going to start the Dumbledore rant. <laughs> it all, it all, oh, the, the what? The Dumbledore rant? Like, oh, yeah, like go, go ahead. Yell at him. No, he's horrible. If he would have just told him things, like so many issues would have been solved. Such as? Such as you have to die. I feel like... I, I'm kind of on Dumbledore's side for not telling him that. Well, he could have prepared him a little better. 
Perhaps so. Perhaps I don't know. I Perhaps. think I think I think you can be like the hey, film Harry. acknowledge it because there's a scene when he's <laughs> like when he tell what I was gonna make it. no keep going when he Good tells joke. Harry Good like um oh well I made a mistake distancing myself from you and stuff so, like there's at least that acknowledgement yeah. but. You don't tell someone they're going to die. No, okay. But he ignores him the whole fifth movie. And then he asks him, he's like, why am I having Voldemort's dreams? And he's just like, dog, I don't know. That's crazy. Could have been like, hey, man, don't worry about your 21st birthday. You can go ahead and drink now. You're not going to make it. I think I, <laughs> I think it's because he... Well, then, would you have liked that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I don't know. I think, I think it's because he, he, re- he recognizes the fragility of a teenager and whatnot. Yes. Okay. Yes. What, who, are you, who are you waving at? Eagle eye people. Eagle eye people. Always eagle eye. They people. always find me. No Can't matter escape what. Them. No. They're clearly tracking you. But uh, I also have another issue with got the, the, tracer on the creatures that the, the creatures that pull the carriages. What are they called? Huh? The the black the black like horse skeletal you can things. See if you've seen. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I don't remember. I so major that. major beef with that because none of it makes any sense because. Harry does not see the one that pulls Cho's carriage at the beginning, but he sees the one immediately behind him. Hmm. And also, how do his friends that cannot see them fly it? When did this happen? In the or- sleep? Okay, when the when they fly to the ministry, how, they all use those. Oh, but yeah, how yeah, do yeah. people who do not see it just- fly it? And how does Harry have to see Cedric die, but his parents dying in front of him doesn't JK count? JK didn't think about it. Evidently not. She didn't think it's about like a lot Tom Marvolo Riddle. Oh my! Don't I get am. me started. Do not get me started. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't really like that at all. I also have the issue with the fact that in their final mission, they're like, ah, let's bring Neville, our most incompetent wizard. He's like, lo- he's the worst person in the class, and they're like, no, let's bring him. Oh, uh, he is. Yeah, but like, he wanted to help. He wanted to help. I don't know, man. I don't. He, know. Did, he didn't mess anything up for them. That's true. He, he was trying his best. He did well in the Deathly House Part Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He 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 picks it up. No doubt. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. This is the one where they're training in the room. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. See, yeah, it's starting. It's starting to all come together for me. Exactly. And I will say and that Filch keeps, it also has Dolores Umbridge. Filch keeps nailing those things to the wall. <laughs> but it, what, if you forgot Rule Number Three and it's all the way up at the top of the ceiling, how are you going to check it? Out? It's called. It's called comedy, Davis. It was. It was pretty silly. It was pretty funny. I, exactly. He had bad ladder safety, I'd say. Oh well, yeah, but you know, you know, somebody with a wand can just catch him. I also think. I gotta oh, yeah. say, Altus momentum. Oh my god! No, Don't, okay, I'll get to that. In, First of all, it's house. it's um no, it's arresto momentum. Oh my god! What anyway, I also think Dolores Umbridge is probably one of the greatest follow-up oh, yeah, yeah. antagonists ever. Like you, Great. you end Goblet of Fire with Voldemort's eyes flicking open, and he goes like full magic Hitler on people, and then they're like. We can make it worse. <laughs> and I don't know. This is a credit to the actress involved. This is a credit to everybody. One must she, not tell lies. She is the most repugnant, repulsive individual. And I, I love how, like, she's not, there's no depth to her. There's just this mask that she puts on that, like, mm-hmm. sort of, like, breaks up or whatnot mm-hmm. at bits and pieces. Like, there, there's, no, there's no even idea of depth. It's just that she's pretending that she's not a Nazi. Yes. Because she, she is, she is a, a, Supremacist. Oh, the writing on the hand that gets me makes makes me makes me makes me physically ill every time I see it. Every time I see it. But man, she's really, really good. I really, really like all that. I don't know. I like this movie a lot. I think it utilizes montages really well to cover because it is the Mm. longest book. It is, but it covers a lot of details. Like I like the whole montage in the training room. Mm -hmm. It's all it's all really cool. That's a thumbs up. I think the whole intro of the ministry is cool. Yeah, like the whole conspiracy. I don't know. I think I think it it just it just it may be just a stepping stone film, sort of, but it's 
has enough moments to keep us there. Like, for example, it introduces Luna, who is the funniest and best character in the history of the series, and I'll go down that hill. <laughs> She's a crush on her. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm not even going to lie. Luna's the best. <laughs> She's so funny. She is. She's hilarious. She's so silly. She's so I, also, I also never noticed that Her- Hermione called her Looney Lovegood at the beginning of the oh, movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, why? Because she's so crazy. I, I mean, I know why she said that, but I was, I, when originally watched it, I was like, did she just like, mess up her name? What happened? But no, that makes that, ma- that makes a lot more sense. But yeah, I what? She's awesome. She's funny. And just just a seamless addition to the cast, which is difficult. Yeah. in a movie. When you have four movies in, it's hard to add somebody in. Yeah. But yeah. Any other thoughts, guys? I know I've been talking oh, quite a bit. Bellatrix, oh, Bellatrix. Obs- I used to be obsessed with her. As a she's awesome. She's awesome. She, like, I love how her introduction is she's like just licking her arm or whatever because she's crazy. And then she just runs around yelling, I'm, I killed Sirius Black. And then Harry uses Crucia, loses the Cruciatus <gasps> curse on her. Yeah. She's crazy. It was like when Luke was force choking people. Yeah. Wait, go. except, except that there's, a re- there's a reason for this. He just does that. Uh, look. Anyway. I'll just, okay, it, okay. It, it, was, it was an allegory. What, what, what a reference, Davis. Truly truly next level stuff over there. I was going to say I like this film and it's good, but it's the most forgetful of these four for me. It just forgettable. It's a, it's a placeholder. I think it, it is. is. Like it's I think, good. I enjoyed it. I think it. it introduces a lot of plot lines like Harry's connection to Voldemort, mm-hmm. um, the interaction between Dumbledore and Voldemort, sort of introduces Ginny in a sense, which I, I actually really like how it handles that. We're, we're we're getting to the bad stuff. <laughs> She's good in this movie. She's... Like the direction here is really good. I I really one. I always thought it was so weird that like it's revealed that Cho had the truth serum used on her, and then they just forget about her for the rest of the. Which yeah. we're gonna talk about that with the I second kinda, movie. I don't. So. I don't think it was fair for them to cut off Cho like that. Yeah, because no. they, they forced her with the truth serum. Yeah, like it's real, and then like ah, forget you. We're gonna bring we're gonna bring Neville along. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Cho. Look, man. I don't know. I feel I don't like there know. might be another reason for that, but we don't have to talk about that. We don't mm. have to. No, we don't. We don't. We don't have to talk about that. I will say though, um, the Dumbledore versus Voldemort duel. Oh, top tier stuff. Pretty good, guys. When I'm saying this, and I'm and I'm pausing a lot. I'm. I'm you want I'm, uh, you want to respond? Well, I mean, you want to go? Yeah, it was good. I don't know. Yeah, like, it was I, good. I, I don't. I, I still have. I, I, I worry that I'm. I worry that I'm talking too much, and I'm, I'm shutting everybody down. Oh, but like the whole thing about like oh, when we get to like the later stuff with the wand, and he like break. I'm not okay. I still have issues with the editing of all the action scenes. You kept talking about that. I, I thought I had no I thought the fight with it. Voldemort and Dumbledore is one of the better, cleaner edits. I mean, of any yeah. of them. it just like cuts so much to like. Like, it'd be a shot, and then just, like, two feet over the same shot again. I was like, I don't feel like – I feel like that's just a superfluous edit there. Superfluous. So th- there was a weird edit in the Ministry fight when it's <laughs> the kids versus the so Death the Eaters, one. and they're running through the, like, the prophecies or whatever. There is, like, a random – just, like, like in the middle of a current action scene, you hear Neville say Petrificus Totalis, and it just shows a Death Eater frozen, like, great job, dude. And it's like – it's just very random, and the and the Deathly House Part Two is a very similar scene that just there was comes just out of the blue. Pacing some wise. moments, and it, I, it was it was noticeable enough for me, who usually just watches movies, like like technique wise, I usually don't take note of anything. Like with music, I usually won't notice music happening, but this one wasn't. I do, I do, I don't. <laughs> Weak, person. except for a few for a few exceptions. Alex and I were talking about earlier, but like I usually don't notice it, but I had noticed in this one. It felt a few of them, not all of them, just a few, felt Bohemian Rhapsody-esque. That's interesting. I I didn't didn't get that same. Too many unnecessary cuts. I didn't get that same vibe, personally. But I think, again. Just me personally. Even even with that, I just, like, there's the high moments, like Sirius's death. Oh. When he says says, nice one, James, I I squeal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I was like, that. Also, though, this movie does introduce, for the the more official time, the fact that they don't have to say the spells anymore. Because, which... 
We talked about that a bit. Sydney said, because in the books they explained that it's because you can use it with your mind and you yes. don't have to. Yes. But in the movies it just comes off as it would have ruined the tension of the moment if Harry's just yelling it over and over think, again at Lucius and back and forth. I think they have to – like the first time they'll yell it so you know they're not casting a spell that will kill them or something. So that you know that like – like they go, stupefy. Like in Death the House Part 2 they're yelling stupefy and then they'll just stop huh. yelling it. I feel like that's to let you know huh. for like maybe like the younger viewers that they're not killing people. Yeah. I, okay, that makes That's sense. That's what I feel like. That makes I, sense. I thought it was just because it would ruin the tension. Like like well, the moment when the music cuts and it's Sirius and Harry dueling Lucius Malfoy and the other random Death Eater. Like the music cuts and it's just them whisping back and forth. If they were saying a word every two seconds, yeah, well, it, they set it, it, it up. Would, it would like sound they'll, terrible. They usually, like right when it starts, they'll say it. True. Mm-hmm. If it's the first time they're saying the show, they'll say like Arresto Momentum or whatever. They said that. But if they, she just cast that, you're like, what did she just cast, man? That's fair. Okay, I okay. said that when she cast that. I think that's kind of a... Davis is out here now carrying water for the J.K. Rowling magic yeah, Can rules. you believe that? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I don't know if our listeners can believe that either, man. I don't know I'm if more our... carrying. I'm more carrying for uh, the filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. That's intention. fair. Meg- Megan and I were actually arguing about that, and she and she like brought something in support, and I was like, J.K. Rowling would have loved you too, Megan. Because I, I, like, <laughs> I was like, you have to listen to the episode to get that bit. Yeah, and she, and she did. She thought that it was pretty funny. But I just, I don't know. I really just like... Again, just a lot. Like again, the final thirty minutes to me is just so good. It, yeah. it and and Dolores and that whole thing is so good. And it's all just a lot more positives than negatives here for me. There's like many things. Like I wrote down what was the last thing? Oh, like so this is this is a question, I guess, maybe for you, Braden, because the books may have explained it more so. So in in Goblet of Fire, it says that was the Barty Crouch Jr. tortured uh, the Longbottoms with the Cruciatus Curse. And then in this film, it says that Bellatrix did it. So mm. did they do it together? Yes. Okay. Like, is that, is that, is that, ever, is that ever answered or is that just like an assumption? Because yes. I, I was, I just, I assumed they did, but I was, was curious because it seemed it, like it kind of flipped it. It was more like, they don't really explain it. It was more like okay. a group of them kidnapped them, but it was Bellatrix who did co- torture them. That makes sense. Okay, okay. That, that's what I. That's what I thought. I was just curious yeah. if there, if I missed something there because I remember la- very specifically last mm-hmm. movie they talked about, it, and then this one they talked about it too, which I also did not ever know until I looked it up that the Longbottoms aren't dead. Did you know that, Davis? Oh, I thought they. I thought they were. No, they've no. been tortured into insanity. Yes. Oh wow. So they're like an insane asylum, and Neville lives with his grandma. Yes. Hmm. Which is which? Apparently, there was a scene in one of the books that was cut out of one of the movies where Neville takes them all to go visit, mm-hmm. and they also see. Kenneth Branagh's character there because he's you yeah know, they do he don't remember anything very sad oh I remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes I it's, forgot who that was for a second I had to think of the character come on now Davis come on now. but anyway I mean I think we all give this movie a thumbs up probably what's our yeah. official rating system now guys how are we going to rate it seven Ooh, seven point two I'm inclined to give it a seven point nine I like it I really like it just okay look <laughs> seven point seven sure you just give it an eight Alex seven point nine that's an no eight. it doesn't okay. deserve an eight. It deserves a seven point. Give it a seven point five. I'll give it an eight. Fine. I think I think I gave it an it, eight in letterbox. It deserved an eight. Alex was willing to do that. I think I gave it an eight in letterbox, and I'm going to stick with that for because Davis gets so angry and so frustrated. So angry because yeah, every system is out. flawed except except for the thumbs up system, according to Davis. Uh, no, it's it's thumbs up. All of them so, are flawed. Seven, seven point two, eight. Mm-hmm. It tracks. I like all the right. I like the point five being the limit of the. Division. Yeah, but I, gave, I gave it an eight. I like this movie. It has it has more. I like the whole final fight and everything like that. It's all it's all good. And again, Dolores is the most an- annoying antagonist of all time. But anyway, onto the Half Blood Prince, everybody. I saw this one in theaters. Me too. Mm. I also did too. It 
had me like sad. I was like, man, what? I remember late leaving the theaters, and I was like, oh man, the villains won. It only happens in the cereal commercials, man. <laughs> cereal because like. Uh, because the Lucky Charms kid, would, he'd always get the Lucky Charms. I remember telling that to my cousin, like, in the car. I was like, man, it only ever happens in the cereal, man. Well, you all know my major gripe with this movie. And uh, I stated it to everyone at the movie theater. I, okay. I, what? If you will. Oh, it's that Jenny is, like, completely 180'd messed up from the book. That's And we're going to certainly get into that. I actually have a whole plan to talk about that. But Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, oh, again. Wow. What? Go ahead. All the usual suspects. <laughs> what, Davis? I'm just messing. Alex, Alex, keep going. Jim Broadbent as Horace Slughorn, and then again, more of the more of the same people, along with Timothy Spall back as Peter Pettigrew again. Ay-yay-yay. And then directed by David Yates, Steve Clovis back. He also wrote Wonder Boys and The Amazing Spider-Man. So I don't really know if that's a good that that's a good uh, setup there. And then music once again by Nicholas Hooper as Braden was so kind to point out some very good songs at the beginning. Yeah. Very good tracks at the beginning of this movie. I don't know how I didn't remember them. I used I, to listen to them all the time. The Harry and Hermione one, I clicked on I was like, ooh, that's a good one. So it, th- yeah. this score goes much higher in my uh, in my like head it's rankings great. of all the films. Because they're all pretty good. But it, it's much higher in its rankings than I, than I would have put it. And then released July 7th, 2009, two hours and 33 minutes, and it feels like it. It's probably yeah, yeah. It's probably one yeah. of the – outside of, I would say, Sorcerer's Stone, this is probably the only film that really feels like its length. It mm-hmm. feels long. Because there's not nearly as much going on versus mm. previous films, and therefore it feels – it definitely feels it. But again, $250 million budget. And a little lower than the last one, the box office, $934.5 million, but still the second highest grossing film of the year behind. What film do you guys think it was behind? What year was oh, this? 2009. 2009. Iron Man. Nope. That's Iron 2008. Yep. I know. I don't I'm know what came out I'm going to hint. Blue. Avatar. Exactly. Okay. There you go. It was nominated for oh, two Academy right Awards, Best Cinematography, <laughs> or one Academy Award, Best Cinematography, and other ones at the BAFTAs as well. And... Let's see. The first the first review of this film called it a potential Oscar contender. I don't really know about mm. that one. Interesting. It <sighs> mm. This is probably the one film that has close to equal good and bad honestly because yeah. there's there's a lot I don't like. You t- talk about Jenny. Let's let's go to it right now because I had the same gripe as you did partially because I think the whole Jenny romance feels very shoehorned into this movie after it no because there's a lot of setup on Jenny's side in the previous film. Like there's a great scene yes. where In Chamber of Secrets no, no, not even that. In, oh. in, in Order of the Phoenix, where after Harry and them get Dumbledore's army signed up, uh, Hermione's like, well, we have one good thing. Cho couldn't take her eyes off you. And then the camera lingers on Jenny for a moment mm-hmm. to look disappointed. Awesome. Set that up. Great. But for Harry, there's nothing. And then you, of course, got beef from the books related. Tell us all about that because what we're missing. She is hands down the best book character. And like to watch the movies, it's just like so ang- – it makes me so angry. Like her personality is not even close to the same. It it does. It, it honestly, I think it it was there in Order of the Phoenix. Kind yes, of. You see it a little bit in Order of the Phoenix. But there's a lot going on in the films they can't address. They can't address it, and then they come to all this romance stuff. It's the same thing with like lavender or whatever, and they're just trying to force it. That's yeah. I I don't. It just. I think it's. I I think it would have been fine if Jenny's love of Harry continued because they'd set that up. But Harry like. He sees Jenny Fletcher and it's like, oh my gosh, butterflies. And I'm like, what? And then like yeah. two scenes later, Hermione's like, I see the way you look at her. And I'm like, what? Do, yeah. do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? I, 
I don't see it. Oh, when they get together in the book, it's so great. I'm not even like a romance person, but like I am, so I need to read these books. They they play Quidditch together for a few years. That's why they they become close, and they don't even show that in the movie. And right, she's then just on the team in this. Movie. They win this big. They've like been building up this thing for like the whole book, and then they win this big Quidditch match, and everyone's celebrating, and he like runs in there and kisses her in front of everybody. Ooh, and it's like it's. Oh. I can't praise it enough how great it is. The kiss scene between them in the movie. It's awful. In, the, in this <laughs> so movie, awkward. I didn't think this one was Close bad. your eyes. Let me hide the book. doesn't happen in the book. I think it's weird that they have to hide the book. When they, why wouldn't they just burn the book? I like, was just I was just meaning like the kiss itself was kind of... Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, say, <laughs> yeah. I'll, say, I'll say this. I'll say this. I give it some benefit of the doubt because the awkwardness is played up because they're all 15, 16-year-old. It's weird. I give it some benefit mm. of the doubt. And a lot, of, a lot of the criticism for Jenny is levied at the actress, who I cannot remember Bonnie her Wright. name. I think she's just directed poorly. She, she is. She, she, she wasn't a wooden board in, in the no. last film at all. I think, she, I think, respectfully, David Yates and Steve Clovis just write her poorly. They write her poorly. Her lines are awful. It she's gets like, so much worse than the She next says, book. open up, silly, and like get don't you tr- like Don't you trust me with like a cookie? What? what I mean, hell? I trust Davis with a cookie, but that doesn't never like... never say I, that. <laughs> Open up. It, like it's that's a nonsensical, non-human line, and the only good part that comes out of that is when Ron sits in between them, and it's hilarious. That's oh, it. That was funny. That's it. Ugh. Oh, when they're in the thing, she's like, "What is she like?" She's like, "We can hide up here too." What? I don't remember that. Wait, no, it says that can stay up here if you like. Yes, yes. Or yes. stay hidden in here if you like. Oh, oh. the kiss. I'm yeah. telling you, not a single one of the things she says in this movie happens in the book. That. Oh man, that's just a miss, and I really, I really think it's. You know, let's talk about this as well, right? I think a lot of the problem is chemistry, and right. If you ever, if you're ever writing a, ro- yeah. if you're ever making a film that's going to have romance, you're going to screen test your two main love interests before they even get casted. Sometimes, sometimes, like if they pick the lead, like mm. for example, picking Ryan Gosling in La La Land, they probably were like, all right, well, Emma Stone already have chemistry with other movies, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with this is you can't do chemistry tests for ten year olds. That's fair. Like right? That they just don't have it. And and they don't because like because that's th- that then leads to the whole Harry and Hermione debacle that yeah because they do because Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe just have good chemistry and yeah. it's just and that that sucks because that's something they can't avoid but they certainly don't do themselves any favors no with a lot with a lot of the scenes and again a lot of things that are just shoehorned in like I why just, is she on the Quidditch team where, where was that established because she's good at it well, I mean yeah but she's been playing it for years they just didn't show it well. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see anything about that. She goes pro in the books, too, but and they, they don't show that in the They movie. have different uniforms in this one, and then Ron suddenly wants to play because apparently- He has the helmet on. That was something that was cut out of the last film. It was it started in the Order of the Phoenix, him playing- He had Quidditch, mentioned he wanted to be a Quidditch player in the early one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't remember that. I do. Oh, wow. Davis remembers some things, apparently. I'm I just, just think, saying. I just think it sucks because it ends up being a main crux of the movie, and mm-hmm. it's just a miss because mm-hmm. it's just- a lot of bad things w- did not go their way. It's just but not great chemistry, not great, great writing. Parts. Oh yeah, no, and, oh yeah, no doubt. I think it's Dumbledore. It's the, I think it's oh. Michael Gambon's best work as Dumbledore by far. He finally yeah. makes it his own after kind of meandering around after mm-hmm. Richard Harris's passing. Obviously, Goblet of Fire did not do himself any favors with the. Did you mention the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's by far his best stuff overall. Oh, yeah. I think he also honestly acts more like Richard Harris's Dumbledore in this film than any other one outside of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. I think he, he does a good balance because he he acts weird. Mm-hmm. He, he like the, the quirky, like he's he's a little odd. Some people are mad that he asks uh, Harry about his relationship with Hermione because Dumbledore would never care about Harry's personal life. And I'm like, I think it's a good throwaway line that's kind of funny. It is funny. The movie is really funny though. I will give it that. 
It's supposed to be, though, the actors called it a rom-com, mm. which, what do we think about that? Mm. Mm, I, do, I, I feel like it's a wizard movie. <laughs> okay. It's its own genre at this point. <laughs> I, I think it's, it, I think it. <laughs> Am I wrong? Did you, you really? <laughs> you are so, so stupid. Um, Am I wrong? <laughs> you are. You're mad at my childlike sense of wonder, I Alex. think it's a wizard movie. Childlike sense of wonder. Oh, my God, Davis. Jesus. I was going to say, I think it's a poor choice to make this one the rom-com because it's a very mixed tone. Because, I mean, yes. it, is, it is the saddest. It's the darkest. It has a weird haze over the whole – like, mm. the filter is very weird in this movie. Mm. Like, it looks very odd. Like, it's gray, really gray. But, like, then there's, like, what if we just throw some yellow in there at random points that just does not mix color grading-wise? I don't like it at all, personally. I think it, it's very odd-looking. By far, I think I think this, the visual effects, by extension, look weird because the whole film itself looks kind of hazy. It is a little weird, but it is again the funniest. Like when, um, yes, I'm going to mention a line from Luna. Don't say anything. At the beginning, when there, when she, when she finds Harry, because I guess her, I guess, oh yeah, I forgot that he, Harry and Draco like had the whole fight and everything, mm-hmm. and then they're going to kiss, man. No, they were. Yes, they were. And then. <laughs> And then Luna's like, "That's all right. It's being with a fr- it's like being with a friend." And then Harry's like, "I am your friend, Luna." And she's like, "That's nice." Oh. And then he invites her to the party later. Oh my god, that's my that's my favorite favorite line where he's like, "I'll invite someone someone nice, someone cool." And then it just cuts to Luna in this bright pink yeah. dress. She's so like, "Sweet." She's like, "I don't I've never been around here awake. I sleepwalk. That's why I wear shoes to bed. I sleepwalk, you see." And I'm like, "Who writes this nonsense?" Either way, it was the best stuff. It was great. It was awesome. And then, obviously, Harry saying Jenny has nice skin is Ugh. pretty funny. I don't remember that. Oh, it's funny. Because then Rod's like, you say my sister's got nice skin. Yeah. Because it's like she's smart, funny, attractive, and then it cuts to Ron going like, uh, what? <laughs> I like that scene. It's pretty funny. I think, I yeah. think it, it nails the rom-com elements relatively well. It just kind of doesn't yeah. fit in like – because it's all there. And then like the final third of it's like, oh, well, we have to go get this Horcrux in order to like win yeah. the civil war against Nazi magic man. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. it kind of – what? But hey, some cool Hermione and uh, Ron moments, and that gives a thumbs up for me. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think Snape's good in this one, too. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Yeah, he always. Alan Rickman is so, Rickman so good. He's so good. He's so good. We forgot he has the best scene in Order of the Phoenix. Oh. Obviously. <laughs> That's like his only line in the whole movie, okay, and it's, it's so good. So good. He, he is a treasure. He's oh my so gosh! Good. What a casting, really! What 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 a great choice! But, oh, the oh, end, the yes. end where he's like, he's talking about I'm the half blood prince, and everybody's like, what? That's crazy. What I really like is the scene beforehand when Harry goes to meet with Dumbledore, and we hear Snape and Dumbledore arguing, and yes. it's a great it's a great shot to a lot of things because Snape is it's clearly hinting at something. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore, and we're like, uh, what? Yeah. And then Dumbledore says, um, well. Too bad, so very sad. I don't care. You're going to do it anyway, which is how he is. Which yeah. That reminds me of a certain line in the flashback sequence that we get in Deadly Alice Part 2. Oh, which was great. That is Those very, are amazing. That is very similar to, to that same idea. Dumbledore does use people. He's not yeah. flawless. Yeah. I wish the movies delved into that a bit more because it's kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. He's kind of more mysterious than not. In if these. you read the books, it's very like by the end you're like, damn, he was horrible. Indeed. And I think, I think, I think that's definitely – I think Gambin certainly plays that complexity better than Richard Harris mm. would have. Then again, I don't know. Richard Harris is a great actor, though. So you never do know. Also, what do you think of the addition of Slughorn? 
He's uh, the dad from Hot Fuzz as well. He's pretty silly. He is. <laughs> he is he silly. Is. He is. Him saying Merlin's beard every 10 seconds made me want to close <laughs> my computer and walk away. I also thought it was funny how he kept doing things for academic purposes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like when he, put, when he when Aragog dies and he just pulls off the, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, whatever it's called. And then, and then Harry's like, because of the pincher. I, that was that, that's oh yeah because he had the he had the, 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 the liquid charm. luck that yeah. just made him high that, that nice. whole scene is funny that whole that, that whole was scene was scene. really really good he's like Hagrid's is just the place to be tonight which it is it is interesting so what do you guys think about the fact that like technically it worked because because yeah. like it was the place to be because Slughorn was going to end up there mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting to me that that kind of all magic. I, I didn't I didn't actually put that idea Almost together until magic. just now but you know I'm what can I say I'm not, I'm not very I'm not very quick quick witted and putting things together in these films. But yeah, I I like it, but I guess I just think, okay, actually, I'll take it back. The Snape part when he's like, I'm the Half-Blood Prince makes no sense. Well, he was the Half-Blood Prince. But, 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 but it makes no sense because what we know now in Deathly Hallows Part 2, why would he, when nobody is around him, very maniacally reveal that to Harry for no reason? Like, because he knows that he's been using the book. But Bellatrix is not there to make sure that Snape is toying with the Chosen One. Snape just does it, even though we're supposed to assume Snape's a good guy. But he's not a good he has, guy. He has some contempt for Harry. That's true. That, that much he has no reason to treat him as bad as he does. That's true. Well, well you know, he's got, he's got some trauma. Well, he's, he's jealous of James. Yeah, he only agrees to like to look after Harry, but not really, because he's in love with his mom. It's true. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little strange, I'll admit. It's a little strange. Also, what do we think of the plot of um, at the beginning? It's like, well, guys, Dumbledore's gotten a bit old. I feel like it's kind of hamfisted in after he just went toe to toe with Voldemort like two weeks ago. He that, he wants people to think that. He wants people to think that he's like kooky and old, and that because he doesn't want like the Ministry to think that he's going to challenge them. True, because he did toy he did toy with them in Order of the Phoenix, and then kind of was like, okay, that's a good point. Okay, that that's interesting. Cause I I don't know. I, I felt it was kind of odd because I was like, this man just went toe-to-toe with yeah. the guy that's supposed to be taking over the planet right now. And I mean, if Harry wasn't there, prop would have won. It's in this one where he drinks all that liquid, correct? Yes. yes. <laughs> Jinx. Um, Me at the bars. Okay. <laughs> wow, Davis. That was really just clever. An, just an easy one. What Really, really, you're in your bag right now. <laughs> No, Davis, you got somebody. I feel like I've been talking too dang much. Am I like Did, we when gotta, we get to Deathly Hallows Part One and Two? Because I watched them last night. I remember them better. I mean, what do we? Where where do we feel like this movie? Because I feel like it's just a mixed bag. It is. I liked it. I liked I, it. I feel like it's got some strength. It felt long. It I did. Mad. I while watching because I remember I was like, I know they go drink all that water or whatever. Like, when's that gonna happen? Mm. Yeah. And I think I think like that final sequence when Dumbledore almost has his oh. last magical act is how I wrote it down in my notes when he even in his weakest he saves it and also that's Michael Gambon's best. It's great when he's like kill me or whatever. I'm like oh. the fast pacedness of them coming back and then they're in the tower and Draco shows up. That is good. And then it's Severus good. goes like he does the finger over the mouth. Oh yes. And then he's like Severus, please. Oh. And then the re- oh. Oh, look at that the reveal later so good. And I, I, oh, I love I love the shot of Dumb- one. I love two things: one, how Dumbledore and Harry lock eyes, and Dumbledore basically says goodbye because he knows this is it. And then what even if he more, winked at him. What if you like blew him a kiss? What you thought? What would you have thought of that? Well, that's why I like the scene because he didn't do any of that stupid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> he goes. Davis like, what if the movie was totally different? That's crazy, Davis. Really, really incredible. What if the world blew up? What if the world's made of pudding? Too. <laughs> Stop it. Keep, keep going. Anyway, um, I really like how they showed the shot of Dumbledore's death from like below, from Harry's perspective, because it was a lot more terrifying to yeah. like just see like his body flail about. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just it was, it, I thought it was a very unique shot and angle to take rather than focusing on Dumbledore as they have in most other times people get killed in these movies. It's like like you know when we saw Sirius die, it wasn't from Harry's perspective, but this yeah. was kind of the first one to do it like that. I really really like that. However. It's got the age-old gripe from the earlier film where, of course, it all coincides. Like, Draco just happens to invite or to get the Death Eaters into Hogwarts the exact same day that Dumbledore goes to get a Horcrux. Mm. It's kind of what the first two films did. Like, the first two films were like, oh, my God, it's May. School's almost over. And now breaking into the Chamber of Secrets. Mm. It's kind of the same thing. I can live with that. Coincidences have to happen for any story to... That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, this movie, it's a seven, right? I give it a seven. Like yeah. it's it's good, and again, I think I think we would all say its high points mm-hmm. probably are better than its lows. Yeah, last thirty minutes. Last thirty minutes make it worth it. I mean, some cool hair and hair. Or, uh. Oh wait, one last thing. Sorry. <laughs> what about that random fight at the Weezies? Like, was that wasn't in the books, was it? No. It kind of doesn't do anything. I don't think so. Like, because they go, like, why, what is the point of going there? Yeah. Burn the crib down? Yeah, like, what is the point of going, was it to, like, get Harry? Was it to just, like, break their will? No, 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 it does happen. It does happen. It does? It does, because they burn their house down, and then the Weasleys have to, like, live with other people, but they never show that, because in the next movie, their house is just back up again. They have a smaller house. Yeah. So they're building it. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was very weird, because it's like, nothing really happens. Like, what's the point? Why'd the they point, go there? The point was to show that they know where they live. Oh, to show that nobody's safe. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that... <laughs> right, 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 right over, over my head. head. Yeah. Right over my head. And with that, we'll jump right over to the next film. Mm. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. And part, it's kind of one movie. A me, very but... criticized film from a lot of people for a lot of reasons. We'll certainly delve into that. Again, all the same cast. I mean, there's nobody new in this except for our boy... Bill Nye as the new Minister of Magic. And, Dom, and is Dom Hall Gleason in the second one or is he in this one? He's, He's in, this in, one. in this one. Dom Hall Gleason. I love him. All, every this single movie I was like, movie. I kept going, when's Dom Hall Gleason show up? I know he's in these. <laughs> when does General Huck show up in these movies? <laughs> and then John Hurt's back as uh, Ollivander, so that's he did, pretty cool. Yeah. And also Re- Rise Ethan. How do you Rise say Ethan's, yeah. Rise Ethan's is Luna's. Dad's oh my love good. Is he? Yeah. yeah, I did not even realize that. And he's he's so good. He's Great. so weird and creepy, and it's perfect. Wow. Yeah, I did it's not even perfect. realize that. And yeah, again, all the all the usual ones. Um, Rise. Rise no, no, the character. Oh, uh, uh, Xenophilius Lovegood, which is a strong first name, by the way. I'm gonna yeah, say that as well. It. And yeah, again, all all the same people. There's not anybody else that I'm looking on this list that is. Oh, except Fleur's back. Oh, yes. Great detail when she pulled up again. I was like, oh, my God, Fleur. Love her. Welcome back. She was really good in Goblet of Fire. I really, really prop, props to her. Props to her. And then, yeah, there's not not anybody. The same usual uh, true uh, duo of Yates and Clovis, Mark Dayback, Eduardo Serra with some really good cinematography, and Alexandre Depla de as the soundtrack composer. And, oh, my gosh, it's so good. It is great. It's so good. He's so good. And also, he also was the, I think he had a hand in choosing the song Oh Children by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds for that one scene that made J.K. Rowling question her entire writing of these books. But we'll certainly get into that detail as well. <laughs> I, I really like this movie. Released in 2010. Two hours and 26 minutes. It's a long one. But mm. I did not know that these two films, Dallas Part 1 and Part 2, only had a shared budget of $250 million. Mm. And in total, they grossed $2 billion. So mm. that's a major, major profit turnout yeah. there. Bangers. It is the 
The film's worldwide opening weekend was the third highest in the series and the highest opening of 2010, as well as the highest opening of all time. And with the worldwide gross of $977 million, is the third highest grossing film of 2010 behind Toy Story 3 and Alice in Wonderland. Huh. Crazy. It's a, that's a bad take from society at that point. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know about that one. And they got nominated for Best Art Direction and Visual Effects at the Academy Awards and two BAFTA nominations. So, Davis, you said we'd talk about it because we'd seen, you'd seen these movies last night. So I cede the floor to you. <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? I yield my time to David. I yield my time to both of you because I am out of breath. <laughs> well, you know, these these I remember these probably the most besides uh, Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban because yes. I had those on DVD. I'd watch those so much. I remembered like every single scene. But I just remember uh, like the big opening scene where they're it's it's in this one, right? Where they're like they all fly, they all like dress up like Harry. They do they yes. do the Obliviate and then they yep. all do that. Yes. Yeah. So I really like that scene. They all dress up like them, and then they fly through. And they're trying to get to the different places to trick them, and then they figure out that Harry's the real one because of Hedwig. Mm-hmm. And Hedwig dies, which is a lot more anticlimactic than I remember. Like yeah. it just kind of happens. I remember yeah. it, like he did, breaking they, my he did, heart. He did like look, and he's like Hedwig. It's kind of he kind of like give it a nod or something. He didn't know. He didn't even go like no Hedwig no no. He he did say like no or whatever. I feel like he just looked. Well, he Sorry. said no. He said no. I yeah. really did like though the shot I, of like a lightning storm and then they go into the yes. cloud and it's yes. just like a war. It that was really cool. Oh, it's so good. Really cool. That was that was the, that was. You stay close to the mic. Sorry, that was that was just. And that Mad was, Eye died. I hate that. I hate that too. I feel Off like weak. you kind of need to show that. But mm. Mundungus had a hand in it. So Mundungus. that was one of my biggest beef. Is first of all, name. Mundungus, so, terrible so name. Stupid. Um, but most importantly, like. It's the end times. They are about. To, they're going to war with Magic Hitler. I'm going to keep saying it because that, that's what. It's like true. this movie expands upon that further than any film so far about Voldemort's philosophy, more so than any. And it just seems very like it, in a war like that, you'd want your ranks to be pretty tight. Like you mm-hmm. know, it's it's you know you can trust all the Weasleys, right? You know your group. Like even even um, I can't remember his first name. Shacklebolt, whatever his first name is. Kingsley. Again. Kingsley. Sorry, I don't know. How I can't he like ditches the Muggle Prime Minister and whatnot, mm-hmm. but then Mundungus is there, and that's like that like is such an easy trip of oh no, we put our trust in the wrong person again, guys. Like yeah. you'd figure after Peter Pettigrew killed the Potters, essentially, you would, right? Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? No, you're not. Your name's Mundungus. Tight, I'm keep, not trusting you. You keep you. a tight group. I think he betrayed them in the past too, and I think that was a thing in the book because they were like, why would we trust him again? And uh, it's because they're too nice to a fault. That's their mm, problem. Because they're good. They're good. They're good people. Good wizards. They're good wizards. Oh, who cares? Win the war. Who and cares this about one, being good? This one also shows more about how the Malfoys don't really want to be with Voldemort, right? Yeah, so, yeah. oh my gosh. Is so this the one all, where they, no, the second one's where they mess up Harry's face, or is it this one? This is the same one. They, they mess up Harry's face. It's this one. One. I like that. So, I like that, I I like love, that sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because then they go to the Gringotts. Yes. After that. With, yes. With, what's his name? Snaggle lock. Oh, grip hook. Grip hook. Snaggle jaw. I also really like uh, the These Are Dark Times opening with Bill Nye. I thought that was pretty oh, funny. Oh, Bill Nye. I love Bill Nye. He's he was so in it for good. like one scene. And who cares? It was awesome. <laughs> and he gave him the things that. What what was the book? What did the book help with? So the book, the book um, she kept reading it, and it had like lore on Grindelwald. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
mm-hmm. and all that stuff was the idea. I also really, really like you, you mentioned how the Malfoys don't like. I like how broken Lucius is just yes. at the yeah. hands of Voldemort. He hasn't shaved his exactly. like, he has bags under when his eyes. When he steals his wand, he thinks Voldemort is going to test it on him. You can yeah. see it and yeah. whatnot. I love that detail. I think Jason Isaacs does such a great job of going from a character that casts so much confidence and ego in superiority because he's a racist to then mm-hmm. that broken shell of a man it's just so what happened in between the movies where he they don't want to be with Voldemort anymore so um in half-blood prince via the exposition specifically the newspaper that harry is reading when he's at the restaurant at the beginning of the film lucius and them are on trial and we're to assume that one it just breaks him being on public trial and being caught because he's caught as a death eater after order mm-hmm. of the phoenix and then probably voldemort one is he's just probably losing it, like he's killing because mm-hmm. you know I mean it, it not not to bring the comparison so directly, but like Magic Hitler, real Hitler also kind of lost his mind a few times and just would snap at people and do the most absurd things and fi- fire people and that. Well, this is even worse. He just will kill people at random. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean he's got that snake running around looking at everybody, threatening them. Nagini, exactly. He uses the Malfoys as like a base of operations. Too. Exactly too. He it's very it, it reeks very much of just again a a. Supreme leader that takes control of a supporter and takes advantage of them, which, in in credit to them, the Malfoy, all three a- actors in that group do a great job Ooh. of selling it. And I really like this is a detail I noticed. I don't know if it's if it's a big deal or not. When Nagini goes to eat, um, the professor that uh they killed, everybody removes their hands from the table except Snape, which I thought was interesting. And I was like, I wonder yeah. if that's if that's a choice decision by Alan Rickman Probably. or not. I give it a thumbs up then because yeah. it, like what I noticed like mean? every everybody like backs away and is terrified. And he just like. He like cranes over to watch, and I'm like, this mm. man, this man's trying too hard to sell the point, mm. trying too hard to sell the character. But I like it a lot. But what what else? What else about the about these movies, guys? I mean, I think this one is certainly it, it gets a lot of criticism for being a setup, but you have to set these things up. You right? do. They infiltrate the ministry in the second one, right? No, that's no, that's, that's in this one. This one. Oh, man, these are like one long movie to me. Because they, they, they use the apology potion, and then, I and like then Ron that. has his wife. Yes, that, yes. Was, that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. get, get the kids. Oh, my God. My wife's, uh, my wife's downstairs. Ron, you don't have a wife. That was, oh. fu- See, that was funny. Right. Yeah, that, that, was funny. that was good. It made me laugh. And then when uh, like Harry's face was morphing back into himself, and he did the you, you mustn't, mustn't tell, tell lies. lies. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty good. I think that was a cool, cool little segment, and then... Uh, they all ran off. Mm-hmm. That's why someone didn't grab them. They're like, hey, it's Harry Potter. And everybody was just like, oh, yeah, there, there, there he goes. <laughs> Harry Potter, wow. I really like how, again, one of my favorite things with this series, because that reminds me of another point that happens right after that, actually, is how the films kind of age the characters and age the tone. Mm-hmm. And this film knows what's going to happen in Deadly Oz Part 2, which is a bunch of people dying. So it tries to like set us up for that, like with Ron getting splinched or whatever. And you're like, his arms falling off, and like it's it's genuinely terrifying because these characters you forget that they are fighting a war. You forget that they're still kids, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like any time Harry is traumatized by Dumbledore, like seeing Dumbledore anywhere, that's a great mm-hmm. just little moment there. It really brings the characters back down to earth while still setting us up for what is coming in the next film and a half. How does part two start so I can know where? So to part s- two starts right after Dobby's death, and they go meet Ollivander. And they're like, Ollivander, what's the, we need to know if these wands are Oh, I didn't realize that was they, the end. Because they talk to Dom Hall Gleeson. They're like, hey, he, what's the plan? 
And they're okay. kind of like, we're going to go to Green Gods because they think that the next Horcrux is in Bellatrix's vault because of her reaction mm-hmm. to. Um, I thought that was in the first one. No, they because she reacts in the first in the one, first and they one. use that her her reaction to go in the second one. Oh, and they get the amulet in the first one, and they find the sword in the lake. Yes, exactly. Yes, which okay. is an awesome scene, by the way. Even down to the Harry and Hermione vision of them kissing, which makes Ooh. me makes me. I remember nauseous. being in theaters. I was like, right now. I I really think this movie has a lot of very it's slower it certainly Mm -hmm. is but I think like the montage of them just walking while the radio is just like guys here's the dead wizards today oh yes just whoever I don't know if that was described in the books in the same way I don't know how you would I I don't know how you would do it in the books I guess because it's like they don't play it yeah right yeah I think the but it's it's a great idea they have like Ron's attached to the radio okay yeah yeah right wearing the amulet makes you like I don't like that. I didn't mind it. I, I was I like, I, I thought it was just, oh, guys, we're doing the thing with if you wear the one ring of power, you go crazy again. I, I mean, but like, why'd you have to wear it? I, I kind of agree that they could just like left it in a on their bed or something, but they don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. But put it in Hermione's super secure bag of infant infinity. Okay, did she have that then? Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm just making sure. Since she was packed for days and whatnot. I'm just making sure. Also, what do we think about? Um. Oh wait, I wanted to ask you backwards. How did Mad Eye die in the books? Because I mean, obviously it wasn't Same off, way. so it was just off screen. He like they were like, "Oh, by the way." Bike. Well, it's all from Harry's point of view, so it's kind of like, "Oh yeah, I guess we flew there." Where's Mad Eye? Oh, he's gone. That's very disappointing. I think it was. I get it because you got to thin the herd and really like who who's the most terrifying wizard that you can take out and make people realize that at the end times. Yeah. yeah. Once you've killed Sirius, you don't want to kill Lupin because he and Tonks are so good. Obviously. Oh yeah. But well, I, I bad guess bad news for you, bud. Uh, no, I know. I know. No, oh, you know, that makes not, me so upset. But that's what I'm saying, though. They, they, they waited that for later, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, and it hit a lot yes, better by the end. So I guess, unfortunately, Mad-Eye was the only suspect. Also, how are we still meeting Weasleys? How, how are there still more of them everywhere? I think that's the joke. It's just Boo. <laughs> Dom, Hog, Dom Hog Gleason's out here just There's showing up. There's those families like that, man. They always show, show up. up. Showing up out of nowhere, man. I, I don't He's get it. in Romania. What do you that's mean? true. They did set that up early in the movies. Mm-hmm. He was like, my brother's in... My brother's in Romania with the dragons. The point, and I knew that was Dom Hall Gleason, but I thought he should have a lot the point, earlier. The point has been removed from my criticism. Here's his, here's his point. It's taken back. You just, you, you, just, you just destroyed it right then and there. I really, I really like that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the movie has a lot of strong points. Though. How do they not apparate? Like, that just happens? No. What is apparate? That's when they can just teleport in the, anywhere. In the book, yeah, they, they have to. it's like a three-month class where they're practicing apparating and like hula hoops. Because... Instead, in this movie, they introduce it in Half-Blood Prince, and Harry's like, oh, did we just do that? I'm sick. And then the next film, it's like, Hermione can just do it. Yeah. She can just, she can just summon it by yeah. sheer force of will, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Hey, wait. Again, things keep coming up to me. Plot hole here. How did Dumbledore get a curse from that ring that was one of the Horcruxes, but it never goes to anybody else? Because he, he destroyed it. He I tried to it. destroy it. Well, yeah, but, but he did destroy it. But they, so it gave him the curse. But then why doesn't that happen to anybody else that destroys any of the other ones? I think was it because he was wearing it or something? No. Nah. I wish I could remember. Or no, I thought it like rebounded onto his hand or something. Well, yeah, no, no, yeah, wouldn't... because he cast a spell and it rebounded, I thought. Oh. Yeah. yeah. When they're hitting and, it with the sword and stuff. Yeah. And so he rebounded and it didn't work and then he found out a way to destroy it later. Yes. Yeah. Because okay. Snape was like healing. He was like, this will uh, it'll spread in a year. Whatever mm-hmm. he says. A year. Maybe less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I was wondering. I think that's. I, I think that's right. I could have just that, made that up. That makes that makes more sense to that's me. That's right. I could have made that that's up. Right. That makes as much sense as anything. Also, small detail. 
everybody loves the shot where Ron and Hermione and they're all sleeping, but their hands are across. It's so cute. It's, so it's adorable. Cute. It is. They're good. Like, again, unfortunately, do they have better chemistry than Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe? No. Which sucks, but, <laughs> but <laughs> what I, can you do? But forget forget that. They the this, unlike how they fumbled the Jenny bag so much. Oh <laughs> so mad. I'm mad too. Alex says I get mad, and here he is. It's so it's such it's a fumbled so bag. It's such we can't circle back to this. We have to keep. We going. have to keep going. We have to keep moving on. We have to keep moving forward. Okay. And, okay. I didn't rewatch the seventh one, but when I saw it in theaters, the Voldemort breaking into the tomb thing was a post-credit scene. How was that played in this? Uh, it was, it was, it was just right, right after. Yeah, it okay. In. So it was it was a fade to black, and then we're like. And then it cuts this, and you're like, oh, shit. In the theater, everybody was like, what the heck? Everybody was like, oh, my God. This like, is the this end is times. serious. And serious black. Serious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he disappears in that little portal thing. Break it into I graves. still don't know what that meant, but I know you brought that question up. What? I thought I just heard something. I thought it was trip. I'm, I'm like bugging out. <laughs> Voldemort's here, man. Oh, I heard he was man. Oh, no. Marshall tongue in my ear. <laughs> He's going, oh. He's when, when Ron, I don't know if this is in the second one. I think it was the second one. My man is. Listen, they're like one long movie to me. I'm sorry. We might as well go and get in the second one anyway. We only have 20 minutes left. Um, there's actually no show at seven, so. I think there is. David, Logan said there isn't. You should check before I, you I, say I, that. I, I texted you. Check Logan. again. Um, Ron can speak partial tongue because Harry talks in his sleep. I didn't like that. I just thought of that. Yeah, I was going to get to that detail. Well, he's Ima- not- no, imagine like I talk in my sleep. And I speak Spanish. Now you know how to speak Spanish? No, 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 He doesn't say – like he doesn't know what he's saying. All you have to do is speak anything. What? Okay. You just have to say anything in the language. Mm. J.K. Not... Rowling would have loved you, Braden. That's all I'm going to say about that. Marion Waters. She's got the pails on her back right now. <laughs> Sound like Chris Lowe on ESPN. Man, I'm not talking about that. Anyway, uh, what do we think about <laughs> the scene of Hermione and Harry dancing to Oh Children by Nick Cave? That's a great song. I love that song. It's so good. What oh, a great yeah, scene. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. It, it honestly is my, maybe the perfect scene. And it apparently is the scene that convinced J.K. Rowling to say that Harry and Hermione should have been together. She did say that. And then people were like, you wrote the book. <laughs> Which is her just once again being painfully unaware of the impact every word she says has on the most popular book franchise of all time. But, you know, that's J.K. Rowling for you. But what a scene, though. I really – I like every, every – when – even though when Ron leaves is very tragic, every scene that Harry and Hermione have when they're together, like even when oh. they're on the mission at Godric's Hall, but then Harry gets distracted by his parents' yeah. uh, tomb, tombstone, and then they like say Merry Christmas or whatever, and then and then they go to the woods again because they apparate away from Bathilda Bagshot's house, mm-hmm. and then Hermione's like, "What if we just stay here forever?" And I was like, oh. "I know." So they're, they're they're just wilted by the, the constant death and war and everything that goes on. And it's so, so good. Also, did y'all catch that detail? Ba- skipping ahead to the Malfoy Manor, which is where they end up, obviously, because they get captured. Did you catch that detail where Harry takes his wand back from Malfoy and he mutters, thank you? Yes. I did not catch it until this yeah. time. I don't yeah. know how I missed it before. I really like that. And then Dobby's death is the mm. saddest thing on the planet. Mm. I don't think it was that sad. It was sad. But he like, says he says sad. Dobby is happy to be with his friend Harry. No, Potter. I mean, it was sad, but like you he hadn't seen Dobby's him in like three elf. movies. Also, Dobby didn't intend to kill, only to injure or seriously maim. That's that's a good line. Yeah. Everything Dobby says in this movie is hilarious. I love Dobby. I'm so glad he's back. Yeah. Because apparently he's like in all the other books, right? He like is. he kind of vanishes in these movies. There's a whole. So does Hagrid? There's a whole subplot where Hermione like, helps the elves. That. It's a whole thing. Interesting. So why do we think Hagrid disappeared? Because I had a theory, but I was wondering what you guys thought. 
What's your theory? My theory is that since the kids grew older, it was harder to make him put him in scenes with forced perspective. Because mm-hmm. most scenes in the earlier movies are with children anyway. Like he rarely hangs out with the adults. So yeah. once Daniel Radcliffe goes from being four foot two to six feet, mm, he's not six feet. I mean, what? Five, he's like five foot four. It doesn't matter anyway. The point stands. Once they grow that much, mm-hmm. it's harder than create that forced perspective. Well, I think it's just crowded with characters now. There's just not, and he's kind of he's not a serious character. True, either. he doesn't really fit the tone as much. But when he, they, he has his moments. When they bring him back in the next one, it's good. Mm. Though. True, true. He, he he again. Robbie Coltrane's a treasure. He does well. A little he's given. He does really really good work with. I think we both. Ocean's Twelve. Matsui. Matsui. Yeah. Matsui. What are we giving this movie, guys? I think there's there's it's a lot a lot of positives. Yeah. Eight. I think I gave it. I think I gave it a seven point five. Seven point nine. So an eight? <laughs> so no. we got two eights. It doesn't deserve an eight. I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you gave this an eight, Davis. You didn't have a lot to say, positive or negative, it felt like. Well, this is... W- it's just like it's good. Well, the thing is, I'm going to have a lot to say about the part two, but I can't differentiate them <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, let's move on to Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows part two. Not even going to go through anything. Oh, there's so many good scenes in part two. Not even going to go so through anything. I was like, I was going like, Let's go! When, so, when he when he walks out, I couldn't even get in front of Snape <laughs> when all the when all the kids are standing there, and he's like, "I'm here." I was like, "Let's go! Come on!" It I seems did. you still have an exhaustive. Uh, oh, it was a little bit of a security problem, headmaster. So and everybody walks in, and then McGonagall steps in front of him, and the duel goes on, and everybody like gasps. And I'm like, "Oh my so god, bad. Maggie oh. Smith about to take this man to school." The scene where Voldemort's like in everybody's head, and he's like, "Bring me Harry Potter," and that one girl's like, "Okay, let's do it." And everybody was like. <laughs> like what? I, I Take all the Slytherins to jail. Okay, that's like, they are getting life in That prison. was crazy. Like, what if one of was like, I, I kind of like Terry Potter. Yeah. I said, I was watching that. You might... Uh, this is up to your discretion, Alex, but when that happened, when he was like, take them all, take all the Slytherins to the dungeon, I was like, that's like World War II with the Japanese internment camp. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Get them out of here. I read somewhere that it's technically because Slytherin's uh, common room is in, like, in uh, the dungeon It area. is in the dungeon. What? So, I so thought she was just locking them up. <laughs> it's, it's a hard line, but it's technically just... Gen- it's like... Oh, go, take t- back to your Get them to their room. So the one thing I wanted to mention before I was interrupted, I'm not going to mention anything about Cass, but Alexander Desplat puts together his best score ever. Statues, Lily's theme, two really good ones, the Courtyard Apocalypse, which is the scene that... Or which is the score that plays when they're running through the courtyard trying to get... Down to the water. Mm. That's the best. It's such, such a good one. And John Williams actually planned to come back, but he could not due to scheduling conflicts. Which, honestly, Duplat does a pretty good job overall. Obviously, Davis, you have no comics. You don't notice such things. But Brayden and I, I mean, yes. like, I know higher we... life forms, notice such things. We do. <laughs> Fine. Fine. <laughs> no, no. What are you going to say, Davis? No. It did get nominated for Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media at the 54th Annual uh, Grammy Awards for what it's worth. And he said scoring it was a great challenge but a lot of it, with a lot of expectations to fulfill and a great deal of work. In a separate interview, he made note that Williams' themes will all be present much more than in part one. So we do hear Hedwig's theme in, in passing. But I really – like it's good. I love it. It's just a good – like it is – it is. It's short. It's two hours and ten minutes, and it is breakneck. Pay. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. so good. It, yeah. it doesn't even feel like an hour sometimes. No. There's so much going on. It. There's no missteps either. It's not like there's a part of the movie where you're like, man. Nah, I have a part of the movie that's okay. Like that. I have a part of the movie that's like that. Go ahead and tell us. Um, well, one, I, I, I want to I want to give a quick shout out to everything at the beginning. I love how we cut back to Snape as he likes goes over Hogwarts. We only see him twice mm-hmm. between. 
the first movie or part one and then the beginning of this because mm-hmm. we just don't see him a lot at all actually. But I like how it centers him there. It's like, all right, guys, he's gonna be more important in this movie and yeah. whatnot. Again, I really like everything that goes on in Gringotts. I think it's just all, all just really strong stuff all the way around. I do think I forgot to point this out in the last movie. There's a huge discrepancy where. Harry's connection with Voldemort exists in Order of the Phoenix, disappears in Half Blood Prince, and then comes back in this movie and in Deathly Hallows Part One. Like yeah. he, like there's none of that. Oh my God, he's in my head again, guys. In the in like how does he's like? Oh my God, guys, he could know we're hunting Horcruxes. Well, if he was in Harry's head in Half Blood Prince, he would have already known that. Anyway, yeah, did, did, just thought of that just now. But my two main gripes are the final probably twenty five to thirty minutes of the movie is where I think it really kind of falls apart. Interesting. Bec- and I also think um, Snape's reveal is overrated. <gasps> mm. because it's it, so well set up. But it makes no sense. Go, go ahead, Alex. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Did you, want, you, want, you want me to? Okay. So, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> now, in terms of the twist, it, the twist itself is great. It's a great look. What? Because mm-hmm. the only detail that you get is Griphook implying that the fake sword was put in Bellatrix's vault. From Snape, which you're like, well, why would Snape do that? Oh, he must be he must be a good guy or something like that, right? That's the that's the kind of idea, and that's set, that's set up. And I'll give him that. The twist itself is pretty good. However, why is he spying? What is the point of him being a double agent for Dumbledore and spying on Voldemort? What is the point? So Dumbledore can know what's happening. But but what does what viable information does Snape give that dramatically affects the plot of what's going on? A lot, I think. What? Their whereabouts, but what Voldemort's next plan is? Yeah, but there isn't ever one. We don't know. At, w- at what point do we ever do we ever know? That, well, guys, people are disappearing again. We know he's gathering an army, right? Well, what, what if he told him where one of the Horcruxes was? He didn't. What as, if he did? As far like the I, ring, how, how did he find? How did Dumbledore find out about the ring? I don't remember. Or how did they figure out N- Nagini was a Horcrux? Well, they they figured that out because. Um, how does he figure that? I think it's just because. Oh, because ha- Harry has that vision at, at, yeah. at near the end of the movie. But like, what's the point of him? What what ne- viable information? Just security, does he give? at least. Like you just have someone in there. But like, but then again, by by the end of the by the by this movie, what is the point of him still being there? What is the point of any of it? What like he gives he gives Voldemort and the crew the proper information of when Harry is being moved mm-hmm. in the beginning of Deathly Alice Part One. He doesn't give. He doesn't. Dumbledore doesn't even know what Horcrux is like. He's like, I, I thought it was this, but the memory of Slughorn confirmed it. Like, so Snape doesn't provide that information that there are seven Horcruxes out there. He doesn't provide anything. There's no reason for him to be double double agenting again. I've always been of the opinion that he was double agenting the other way. You mean you thought that he was? He wanted to be a Death Eater, but he owed it to Lily to watch after Harry. Interesting. I can look I, at that. Well, he was he was a Death Eater originally. I mean, I know that, but then he then he comes to Why does he become a Death Eater? Why do you do that? Got bullied, so sad. Boo, boring. I mean, I mean that, that, yeah, you know, the, the grow the, up kid. The standard, the, the, the standard stuff, and okay, that I guess I'm because I'm thinking about the lore, right? Because then mm-hmm. there's in that vision, there's that great scene where he's like. Um, please hide Lily. And then Dumbledore's like, what can you offer me in return? And I'm like, bro, they're about to die. What do yeah, you mean? because he's horrible. Dumbledore's a strange guy. Oh, 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 interesting oh, detail for interesting you. Interesting detail, go ahead. So Snape and Lily have the same Patronus, if mm. you notice. Yes. The dough. Yes, but Lily and James have, like, compatible Patronuses. Mm-hmm. So the other one indicates, like, obsession. Oh, because it's a stag and a dough versus a dough and a dough. Yes. Interesting. 
I didn't know that. Mm. That that has a little layer of detail. But again, I just I don't think it makes any it makes any sense for him to be like. So you think mm. in the end he was spying on Dumbledore for the Death Eaters by no, the end of it? I think he. But then there's Dumbledore, and then we're talking about that scene. And the reveal shows that Dumbledore's like, "You have to kill me," because we all know that's happening or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which that that of course implies that Snape told. Uh, Dumbledore about that, which is fair, but again, there's like nothing added to it other than just this random reveal at the end that shows that Harry has to die, but he's like, well, in the proper moment, you must tell him. Well, he actually doesn't even get to tell him because he just has to use his tears to tell him anyway. I just think that mm. he doesn't serve the plot. It's just like a great twist for twist's sake at at points. That's fair. Because there's not a lot that he does like as a spy either way. If he is truly spying for the Order, which we're assuming, unless your point... Megan's point was that he's just a snake trying to survive. So he he just is. Does whatever, which the, I don't think the movies conveyed that as much as the books did. No, definitely, definitely, I agree on that. But yeah, so that that's 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 my that's my soapbox about Snape. I also think again, I think the ending is very weak. I think just oh oh oh, but he also never spies for the Order. He only spies for Dumbledore. Exactly. So then, what's it, it, like it just doesn't seem like it, may, it it had any consequence to it in mm. the end. Like there was not same way where like Dumbledore has the information, but he like has to put all of his tricks for the kids in like puzzles rather than just like telling them like that would make the war easier if you just told them what like yeah. the, the, the resurrection stone was in the snitch or whatever. Mm. But anyway, that that that's my other thing. And then I think the initial battle is some of the best in the entire series. But then when Harry's is revealed, it's kind of a mess. The only plus I like is when Neville wakes up and the battle's happening behind him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty funny. But, like, the rest is just poorly paced because Harry versus Voldemort, Ron and Hermione versus the Snake, and then a very random Weasleys versus Bellatrix scene that feels so out of place. Like, I remember watching the mm-hmm. movie and going, like, I didn't mind. Like, because it, it's like Harry, it's like it's like the Snake, and, or no, it's Harry and Voldemort, and then all of a sudden Jenny's like, deflecting a spell, and we're like, where are we at right now? And mm-hmm. then they just do that, and it's, that's over. It was pretty cool, though, when Molly said, uh, not my daughter, you well. Word yeah. that I will not say on the airwaves. I would if I could. No, 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 you, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> and then Harry and Voldemort fight is terrible. Mm, yeah, it's a little weird. It's just bad. Like he has him dead to rights with his magical cloak things, and then he just lets him go. Why did he ever use that before? It's great. You have a That's why it's a bad cloak fight. That can, that can uh, strangle people. Strangle people but, then he, like... but then he just lets him go, and then of course there's the flight where they merge their heads together, and I'm like, this Ooh. is one of the worst things I've ever seen. I didn't mind that. I, I hated that. It's okay. It's okay. I it's okay. I, I didn't like that oh. at all. And then the disintegration of Voldemort, like, apparently the idea is that it's Prairie Incantatum, and whenever that fails, the spell is rebounded, so that's why he dies, because the Avada Kedavra rebounds on him. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't disintegrate in the books, does he? No. How does he, does he just die? Yes. He just lays there? Do they bury him? What do they do? I don't remember. Incineration? They eat him. What? <laughs> what? What if? He doesn't, him disappearing, him like disappearing like that, it doesn't make any sense. What if he's, he's going to come back? Again and again and again and again. And also the ending, the flash forward. I'm going to just say it, y'all. Albus Severus Potter is some stuff that a Disney adult would come up with. It's awful. I don't Yeah, I didn't like it. To you, um, how about Remus? How about Sirius? How about your dad? Mm-hmm. And I mean, no disrespect to Disney adults, but that is, literally, that is literally just like, oh my gosh, guys, what if, I'm going to name my kid Luke Han Skywalker. What? I would what? like to say we glazed over a lot of great scenes in this. <laughs> no, I, okay, I, no, no, I, no, I was okay. on my soapbox for a moment. Now y'all go ahead. <laughs> First of all, the scene where, like, after the first battle, and they, they, he's like, we're going to retreat and bury your dead. And then you see mm. one of the Weasleys there. <laughs> we don't know which one. So here's Fred. the thing. For, oh. It's Fred. I, <laughs> for some reason. I, I, I still don't know. 
I remembered it as a wall falling on them and them dying. I don't know why. I thought a wall fell on both of them and they died. No. I don't know why I thought that. I just did. And But then it shows Remus and Tonka, is that her name? Tonks, Tonks. Yes. Tonks. Which in their hands are exclusive. Yes. So that was sad. sad. Very sad. That was tragic. That was just a good scene. Like, all the people, they were they looked all defeated. Mm. Oh, yeah. And again, like, there, there are a lot of great moments. Like, I love the detail of Snape taking out the other two Death Eaters as he escapes by deflecting the kind of yes. spell into them. That's a, that's a nice detail, as always. Detail. We like that. And... I mean, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of good there. I just wanted to get on my soapbox about the just, bad, but there's a lot better. From from Snape dying and Harry going out to the forest. That's all. And then, like, he goes into, like, his mind palace or whatever, and he comes back to life. He comes back to life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Draco's mom's like, is Draco alive? I never picked up on that, that she was covering for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I picked pick up, up on it one that. of the more recent times I watched. Yeah. I love all that. I love um, when Harry says he's got to go, and then Hermione's like, I'll come with you. And they're just like, that's some of their best acting. Yes. Yeah. The three of them together. Oh, yeah, you, everybody's acting. Ron and Harry just do like the, the, the bro head nod, and I'm like, excellent. Alan Rickman in the flashback scenes. He oh. was Alan Rickman when he's dying. First of all, his death is so – that pushes it, the limits of PG. Does. Like, if they showed that, even, even when they don't show it, like, just the hard end, just like, all right, guys, what if we just hit the window with a hammer? Pretty gruesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I don't remember what we were just talking about, but uh, I said that's Alan gruesome. R- Alan Rickman. Yes, it was. And I think also I really like um, I really like the the when he's in his like mind palace with all the ghosts of his past. And I mm-hmm. like that Remus is there because I think yes. the friendship that he and Remus that's had. Not, that's not really a mind palace. That's just a ghost show. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Either way, I think that the the relationship that he and Remus had was so critical to Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean, they carried that movie with just scenes of them two. And it's kind of lost in the shuffle of such a large franchise. But they have such a very serious and personal relationship. I'm glad Remus was an, inclu- an inclusion there. Because some movies would be like, we don't want to include too many, you know, ghosts or whatever. I'm glad yeah. that he's there and I'm glad that Dumbledore shows up later. Yes. I, I like how they each give each group their own sort of, you know, mm-hmm. moment. And then, like, of course, that you'll be with me. And then they say, until the end. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh. First of all, I mean, they even cast Harry's parents for, like, one scene, and they're perfect. They are perfect. I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they do it. In every single movie, they cast everyone so good. Except. The big scene. Wait, except who? I thought you were going to say Jenny. Oh, I was going to say because I was listening to the – who? I thought you were going to say Jenny. Oh, no, no. No, no, she's poorly directed. Yes, yes. Poorly directed. We'll we'll agree with that until this day. The big scene that we're all coming to, I know we all want to talk about, (laughs) is the – Harry Potter is dead! <laughs> Very good. Uh, so Ray Fiennes is so, so good. good. That's just a scene I've, like, offhandedly he's watched. He's such a dork. Ray Fiennes is awesome. He's oh, so when, good. When Neville comes up and he's like, I have something I'd like to say. And he goes, oh, oh. I lo- I lo- I'm sure we would all love to hear. I love how Voldemort is <laughs> like so a, just a 10 out of 10 sociopath. Like, he's just crazy. Oh. He's just so insane. I... Oh. I love how Neville gets his own sort of moments yes, here. Yes. I love how he's like when because you know I, I think one of the things it's, it does a brilliant job addressing is what would have happened with Harry and all them left Hogwarts because Harry was you know mm-hmm. he was the center of attention mm-hmm. and then you see that Neville and the gang took the lead. Yep. I just and I, he has a crush on Luna. Who doesn't, Davis? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but they don't end up together. So sad. They Wait, don't. What? No. <laughs> Who does Neville end up with? Some girl. Some girl. Who does Luna end up with? 
If you say some boy, we're going to have an issue. I'll look it up. <laughs> also, going to go back. Um, You talked about it with the Albus Severus thing. He's also calling Snape the bravest man I ever knew. Um, Horrible. Maybe, Horrible. Maybe, maybe, maybe look it up uh, Sirius. It's been uh, 12 years in Azkaban. Yeah. Remus. Remus. The werewolf. Literally. Your parent. I don't know. Oh, brother. Even Dumbledore, honestly, is oh. as, as, as annoying as he can be. You, did you watch Fantastic Beast movies? Nope, never seen them either. The main character, she like gets married to his like great grand, uh, no, mm. great grandson. Mm. Yes. Ah, okay. Eddie Redmayne's character. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. okay, okay, okay. I also got to say that I think again, you talked about it, Davis. There's so much when when you they go to Hogwarts and the war is about to begin, and there's an hour and twenty minutes left in this movie, and it's all really good. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. does so many. I think it. One of the things that David Yates actually and very intentionally wanted to bring back as many of the former characters like P- Professor Sprout, Trelawney, who I love Emma Thompson, by the way. Again, we're just going to emphasize that for a second. Time. She's, she's hilarious. She's great. Uh, I just, it's a lot of strong moments. I mean, what else, what else comes to mind when you guys think about the, these movies? The face that Voldemort makes when Harry pushes his way out of Hagrid's arms because he's still alive. And like uh-huh. the zoom in. Oh, it's so good. And then you see Harry and or Ron and Hermione freaking out because yeah. another good another good acting and then he runs off just that whole segment yeah. is so good and there's also the theory that i'm sure Braden will can add more to that neville's actually the chosen one you know that uh, one? it could be either one of them mm. interesting so what well, i, I i'm not about, so familiar because the sword presents himself to him or something i don't yes. know so but that's no, one thing no, that, no, no, no. i don't i don't really know i just know it's a concept the sword is like a gryffindor thing prevents up to a gryffindor in need Neville. kind of thing yeah, right. basically the prophecy could have described either of them. And it's just because the only reason that Harry's the chosen one is because Voldemort decided he was. I have the same birthday as Neville. Really? July 30th. Oh. What can I say? That's that's all. <laughs> Thank you, Davis. That's all. I got, I'll, I'll read more into it. One quick shout out. Tom Felton is Malfoy. Really, <gasps> over the last three films, yeah. has really come into his own. I'm really... He was great. He was excellent Half-Blood Prince. That's his best work, I think, by far. But he really... I think he reaches the level that the rest of his cast, because he kind of went to the sideline a bit, especially in yeah. Order of the Phoenix. He's not really, not yeah, really, he didn't play a role. And I think he really reached that level that Radcliffe and the gang had already sort of mm-hmm. been at. And I think he even exceeds it at times. He's just really, really good all the yeah. way around. Yeah. I think it's just, there's just so, so much. Inc- Oh, oh, oh. Oh, go ahead. When they're like arming the castle and like yes. everybody's standing there and the music. Oh, it's so good. And the summoning of the warriors that yes. I just thought they were decoration or whatnot. And then uh-huh. just McGonagall and all them and ugh. They show up on the horizon. And exactly. Like, oh man. And you see the and I love the shot that is when they break through the shield and there's that wide winding shot that goes around to follow the shoot and then it goes to McGonagall, tell everyone to get back inside. A lot of great winding shots to mm-hmm. establish scale. And of course, we talked about the whole scene when they run through the battle and they get attacked by the spiders and Hermione kills the werewolf that killed Lavender. Or yeah. at least stuns the werewolf, not kills, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like that's that's just a nice little detail there. I'm glad they put through that in there. Yeah, just amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm also so glad to have Maggie, Maggie Smith back. She's really, really good. Again, she's great with such a great cast. So many great actors and actresses fall through mm-hmm. the shuffle. Like, because not everybody can be Alan Rickman, I guess. But True. Maggie Smith's there being McGonagall, and she's she's she's, great. A, she's a very steady character. And she has that she has the goth fit on in this one. And I like when she's <laughs> like, it's she said she. Harry's about to go off to war or whatever, and she says, "Harry, it's good to see you." And I was like, "I know." She was always she was always on Harry's side. She was she was as the leader of Gryffindor house. Those, those busted points. 
Exactly. Oh, no. Actually, because uh, you guys are pretty cool, uh, 100 points to Gryffindor and you win. No wonder Slytherin went to the dark side, I'm man. I'm saying, man. I'd be hey, sick man. to my stomach if that Absolutely. happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, uh, I think everything about this, really, like the whole action set piece and everything is just, like, so much of the cast is so brilliant. I think, uh, oh, just all really oh, good. Oh, go ahead. You know about the poster for this movie? They didn't even put the title on it. Wait, really? It just had the date. Oh, wait, yes. Yes, because they were like, we know. You like, know th- what This it is. picture will That's sell like, cool. itself. You and know what it is. It sold itself well because the movie made $1.3 billion. The poster is literally just Harry and Voldemort and then the date. Let me look. I bet it. it's like November 18th or something. So like that, that actually reminds me, guys. I want to talk about that deleted scene, Davis. Okay. So, Braden, I don't know if you've seen this deleted scene. So, Deathly Hallows Part 1, right? There's that great scene when they leave their families behind. You know, the, the, the Dursleys drive away. Uh, Hermione... Makes her family forget, and then mm-hmm. Ron walks off. Mm-hmm. And one of the scenes that was cut was the Dursleys' extended goodbye, essentially, where Petunia Dursley says to Harry, as the music swells, it cuts out, and she says, "She's like, I don't. I've been in this house for twenty years, and now I'm one I'm expected to leave." And Harry's like, "Well, no, they would have. They would have tortured you." And mm-hmm. she's like, "I know that. You think I don't know? Yeah. You may have lost a mother that night, but I lost a sister." That's a deleted scene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was like in the movie. Nope, it is not. And then, then Dudley's like, then Dudley says, I, I don't, don't think, think you're, you're a waste, waste of space, space, which is a and great he scene. On the, he trips on the that The scene the itself well, maybe, is not run perfectly, but the content, I think, is what is really good. Maybe because it's in the book. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, that just seems like that just happened. Yeah, no, it, it did not. And one of the reasons, apparently, for Dudley to say that is that at least according to a theory – I don't know how, how lore-based it is. When the Dementor gave Dudley the Dementor's kiss, it just showed him all the things he did to Harry from Harry's perspective. Because mm. it's supposed to show you, like, your worst fears and run you through, like, your worst things. That's why he kind of said that. I really like that scene that kind of wish it had been included. Thinned out a bit because it was kind of long and just yeah. awkward. Like, Davis and I just watched it there. And then, of course, the other one is in Deadly Isles Part 2 once Harry wakes up. Mm-hmm. Draco throws the about. wand, which makes sense because how does Harry have a wand? But it is a very weird – I understand because yeah. it's a very odd cut. It is. Because, like, he runs and then I, it's just – it's a very – I don't know what the way it is to, to have done it, but I kind of wish they'd included it because we need Draco's yeah. real redemption because he mm-hmm. – you know, he – he, he's never yeah, been he, evil. You see him later as a grown-up, like in the background. He's like, yeah. and everybody's like, "Oh, hey, Draco!" Yeah, hey. it's like it's like it's like it's like we're at the beginning of the movie of the first movie when fellow Death Eater, older Mount Lucius Malfoy, sends his son, who's totally not going to be a Death Eater, mm-hmm. to school. It's just the same thing. It's kind of that, that is kind of weird. Good deep down, him and Harry were going to kiss. They were. They were going to kiss. What? At, forget about it, Alex. You don't get it. I must have missed this point, man. I don't, I don't know what y'all are talking <laughs> it's about. It's a running joke. It's a running joke. I, I, must, I must have been out of the loop on this one. There's many scenes where it looks like they could have kissed at the end. So many. So Do you many. know how many fan fictions have been written about Oh, God. It? Don't even start. Do not even. <laughs> Sorry, don't even. Yeah, so what are we rating this one? I don't oh, know. Oh, nine. I'm also giving this one a nine. I think I gave it. What did I give it on? 9.3. On, on the handy dandy letterbox. Yeah, I, I'm going to give <laughs> I'm actually going to stick mine at a 9.2. Oh, my. Thank you. <laughs> hey, 9.37 for me. So no! We do not go past one. Oh, oh, then so. it would be a 9.4. Uh, no. Yeah, Because yeah, it rounds up. It rounds. It's not, it's not a 9.4. It's not, it's not good enough. It's a 9.37. So. What would you actually give it, Davis? A 9. Okay. Okay, Davis. Not even a 9.5? I'd be tempted to give it a 9.5. It's really we good. We persuade you. Pretty uh, good. Remember that scene when the only two scenes we see of Hagrid, he looks absolutely traumatized and it's awesome? Yes. Or, I mean, oh, 
I just love. Every, just I love your he, campaign. I'm going to make an eight point five. Oh. I love how he dest- how when Harry destroys the wand at the end though. That's such a great scene because Ron, yeah. Ron says I can't remember what he says, but it clearly like flips a switch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's like it's the most powerful wand in the world. We can do whatever we want. And, and then like, he's like, Nah, that that's it was where Draco's I wand for a little bit. It was apparently. It was. Pretty fun, I still the pretty whole the whole thing. wand relationship stuff is still so weird to me. But I give it a pass. Who cares? It's a good movie. Great mm-hmm. music. Great overall every scene. And also of course Harry and Ron, or not Harry and Ron. Ron and Hermione's kiss is like the best scene ever. But you know. What can I say? I'm, I, I, look, I'm, I'm a bit. Look, you said you weren't the romance. Oh, I will read any book and watch any movie and ship any two pair of characters that they're. I mean, in. I, w- I will too. I'll Alex is part of the problem. I, no, 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 no. I, I, I can tell you, Corinne is part of the problem. Ray she's listening to this ben. episode. No, please. She's listening to the episode. Lord have mercy, because I watched all of Outer Banks on Facetime with her, and she was just squealing the whole t- the whole time. I'm not like, Outer Banks. It's a good show. It's the most absurd thing ever, but it's funny. Alex, stay stay near the mic, bud. What? You weren't you were talking oh, not into the mic. My bad. Uh, we didn't it? need to hear it. Oh, okay. That's true. Fine, fine. <laughs> whatever. We'll give this one all these ratings. Anyway, the Harry Potter series as a whole, I mean, Solid. it's just a lot of good moments. It's a lot of fun, cool moments that I think are really just yeah. make up for a lot of the bad. Like, as critical as I sounded at times. It's just so fun. It's cool. And it's also, it's... Such a rare experience to watch eight movies of people literally physically growing up. Yes. Like, that's not – normally you just keep recasting. You, mm-hmm. you keep – like, like Modern Family even did that. But, like, like this – like, it's such a rare thing to see. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that makes it so cool and so unique. And they did so many movies, but none of them sucked. That's true. They all, they all were hits. Yeah. The worst movie at the box was, like, $920 million. Like, they yeah. were all complete hits. Yeah. And none of them was like a clear outlier of, wow, that's terrible. Like maybe it didn't yeah. live up to the book. Maybe it yeah. didn't live up to anything like Every that. Every other franchise is like, oh, but there's that one that's horrible. But all of these are good. Exactly. I completely agree. And now, Davis, it's time for your Ministry of Truth moment. I don't know why you're closing up your laptop. My laptop's about to die. Okay, well, we'll talk Could about it. Actually, Alex, I need to call in a favor from you. What? Could you intro it and y'all talk about it for a minute? Yeah. I have to... Drink some water. I have to use the rest. I have to use the rest. I'm sorry. All right, Braden. Well, I don't know if you saw what happened uh, over over the Thanksgiving break, but Simu Lee, I think that's how you say his name, the star Simu of Lu. Simu Lu. I think so. Okay, I'm not uh, sure. Simu Lu made but a tweet. I, I know what you're talking about. He made a tweet. So the background is what we talked about earlier with Tarantino: the idea that there are no more movie stars. And I'm just going to read this tweet out in full for the audience. Davis is not going to hear this, but hopefully he remembers it. Simu Lu tweeted. If only the gatekeeper, if, if the only gatekeepers to movie stardom came from the Tarantino and Scorsese, I would never have made, or I've never had the opportunity to lead a 400 million plus movie. I am in awe of their filmmaking genius. They are transcendent artours, but they don't get to point their nose at me or anyone. No movie studio is, is or ever will be perfect, but I'm proud to work with one that has made sustained efforts to improve diversity on screen by creating heroes that empower and inspire people of all communities everywhere. I love the golden age too, but it was white as heck. Brayden, what do we think about that? A lot of people were cringe about it, but like you can't, you can't disagree. I mean, you can, but like, Davis Davis read into this and I'm hoping he will walk back in here so he can what is he what's he doing? Well the lights are flashing in there. Huh. Welcome back, Davis. Everything come out okay? Okay. I'm very interested I'm very interested to see what you have to say about this. So I, we're talking about the tweet and Davis 
you wanted to add the context of the like World Film Foundation. Why don't you tell everybody what that is and why it oh. why a lot of the response to this and yeah. especially accusing someone like Martin Scorsese was well negatively received. Go ahead and tell so us about that. It's called the World Cinema Project. Cinema Project, yeah, that's what it oh, was. Oh, my laptop's about to die. Um, so Martin Scorsese founded it in '07, and he said it was. I'm just reading the Wikipedia right now, just so I don't mess anything up. It was inspired by the work of Film Foundation in the United States. And basically, he was just going around the world and, like, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Um, Preserve? Yes, preserving. Like, preserving, like, different movies and stuff. Which uh, did a lot for world cinema, of course. Like, a lot of movies that would have been lost to time. Martin Scorsese was able to keep, keep, get... Give him a place to hang out. I get, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Yeah. But yeah. So he started the World uh, Cinema Project and saved a ton of movies. He restored them. Uh, I guess remastered them is another way to put it. And there's some. There's still more coming out soon. And I guess it's just the idea that like Scorsese is not. I, I guess it's the idea that if they were gatekeeping, like as if he's implying that Scorsese and Tarantino would have stood in the way of. Casting a person of Smuley Lou's, um, I I don't like. I guess it, it's it feels like it's it's taking more of a shot than they're just saying that they don't think there are many movie stars. Not that, like I don't I don't really know how it turns into the fact that oh these guys only cast white people, mm. especially Tarantino who I mean he seems to have movies with fairly diverse cast. I feel not like the best. Tarantino. You can have more of a critique of Tarantino on that front. True, just for his use of. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's all. That's all other can of worms, indeed. But I guess not. Not to not to say my biggest issue with this is also I think the fact that it's almost carrying water for a corporation that is Disney that does not have a great track record with this either. Because not to say that making one diverse film gives you a pass because it doesn't. But Scorsese did direct this film called Kundun. It is based on the life and writings of Tenzin Gyatso, the 14th Dalai Lama the exiled political and spiritual leader of Tibet. Now, the film cost $28 million to make with a mostly, if I'm not all Tibetan cast, I think, but made only $5.7 million at the global box office. Now, why did that happen, guys? Did any any, got any ideas? Davis, we talked about it. Braden, any clues on why, why he made it? Or why, no, why it failed at the box office? I don't know. Well, your answer would be Disney, actually. So, before the film was released, China's leaders hotly objected to Disney's plans to distribute the film, including to the point of threatening Disney's future access to China as a market. Disney's steadfastness stood in stark contrast to Universal Pictures, which had earlier turned down the chance to distribute Kundun for fear of upsetting the Chinese. Scorsese, Matheson, and several other members of the production were banned by the Chinese government from ever entering China as a result of making the film. China retaliated by banning Disney films and pulling Disney television cartoons. However, Disney then caved and apologized in 1998 for releasing the film and began to undo the damage eventually, leading to a deal to open Shanghai Disneyland in 2016. Former Disney CEO and man hated by most people, Michael Eisner, had, had to apologize for offending Chinese sensitivities, calling the film a, quote, stupid mistake. He went on to say, quote, the bad news is that the film was made. The good news is that nobody watched it. Here I want to apologize, and in the future we should prevent this sort of thing, which which insults our friends from happening, which that is mm, talking awful. about bending over for the yeah. Chinese economy, essentially, and the fact that they make Disney a lot of money. Mm. As of 2000, or 2021, the movie is unavailable on U.S. streaming platforms and can only be watched on DVD in that country. The film, however, is available on DVD on, and on streaming platforms elsewhere. So not to say that Scorsese gets such a pass, but 
to be carrying water for a corporation like Disney that one silenced that film and then immediately was like, actually, on second thought, mm-hmm. maybe we'll just not actually. Maybe it's a dumb mistake or whatever. I don't know. I just think it was a very misguided tweet. Now, Scorsese doesn't have a perfect track record either, but I think the idea that, that just because they said they don't think these are movie stars, that they would stand in the way of Simu Lee's, or Lou's, sorry, excuse me, getting into Hollywood, I don't, I don't really know. I also, I, also re- I also resent the idea that Disney is some corporation that's saving the day or whatnot, because, are they? Because yeah. didn't they just bury Strange World in the press? Yes, they did. Because it, it, it's a box office flop because we didn't see trailers until it came out a week ago. Because, mm-hmm. like, so I don't know. That's that's our Ministry of Truth. I think we're all a little tired. I couldn't be there for most of it. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, what, what do you got to say? I don't really have anything. I think the biggest thing was the Kundun thing you said. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. I think, I think you that. Got, you said what I would have said, I'm sure, while I was in the restroom. I, didn't, you, I mean, you heard most of it, Davis, honestly. You, you weren't gone for that long. You, you're very efficient. What can I say? <laughs> what can I say? Anyway. I, I took a smoke break. I had to step out real quick. <laughs> Davis. Um, it, and with that, guys, I just can go to our trivia question for the day. Don't I, answer I hinted it earlier. Don't answer You're not going to know it. What if she does? Emma Thompson, hey. our great Professor hey, Trelawney from the Harry Potter films, won the Best Actress Oscar in 1993 for her role in what movie based on a book by E.M. Forrester? You know. <laughs> She's about to say it. Turn off her mic. You were trying so hard. <laughs> I don't think she got, knows what it. Do you, what do you got for us, Brayden? <laughs> I was just going to make a joke that it was love, actually. It um, is actually love. Actually, oh my gosh, it is love. Actually, wow, that's incredible. I can't think that's of anything incredible. else. Emma Thompson. That's fair. Not many people can. Well, with that, thanks to everyone for joining us as we stepped back into the Wizarding World for the second episode of Through the Lens, covering the Harry Potter film series. We talked about the final four films in the Harry Potter series, exploring what went right with the Deathly Hallows Part Two and what went wrong with the Half Blood Prince. We hope you enjoyed this episode with us, and if you have any thoughts on the series, the books, or J.K. Rowling and her controversial self, you can reach out to the show directly by following us on Instagram at Through the Lens W E G L. We will be back next week for a special episode on Whiplash and La La Land. Exams will not stop us with a special guest joining that show as well. This is Alex Houston, alongside my co-host Davis Carroll, with my special guest and subordinate Brayden Haynes, <laughs> stepping off the train, and we will talk again next week.